This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. The Dale Jr. Download. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download with my co-host Mike Davis. How you doing, Mike? Doing well, man. Uh, we got Leah and Schultz also in the house. My brother, Carrie Earnhardt, is the guest for today's show. And you think I know everything about Carrie. I think the best part about this show, or when this show gets really good, is when we have a guest on that I know really well. But we learn something entirely new about him, and I think we're going to dig into parts of Carrie's life that I'm really curious about. I don't know as much as I'd like to about what growing up was like for him. Right. It wasn't what you thought. And I'm sure we're going to peel back some layers and discover some new stuff. So I'm kind of curious about that part of his life. I, you know, and, and he's probably got some great interpretations of us being together and hanging out. Probably a little di- different version of the story than I would tell. Right. So that should be a lot of fun, too. So uh, we're going to have Carrie on here later. Uh, but first off, man, let's get right to it. We've got an open segment. Coda. We had the... Coda. We had the rain, yeah. So let's talk about that. Cars have raced in the rain before. This isn't a new thing. The Xfinity Series has raced in the rain for a decade, and there's a lot of uh, understanding and knowledge and, and and what works and doesn't work. Now, the cup cars are a little different. They are they have different, you know, they're just different as far as how low to the ground they go and, and probably uh, created a little bit different spray off the back is, I guess, my point. And uh, we've never ran down a straightaway with that much water down the back straightaway at Coda. Uh, so anyhow, it was a, you know, any, most times when we get to a new thing, a new facility, any kind of new technology or whatever, we're really excited about it and we're pushed real hard to, to make it work. Right. We, and, and so there was some excitement about being in this new venue. We wanted it to be great. I think that, that overzealous sort of environment, uh, pushed us in, a little bit too far having the guys run in the rain when it was that bad. Mm. You know, we were eager to see the race. We were eager to have the event. We were eager to have something great. And we won, you know, there was probably some wishful thinking that it would be okay. And so there was a, um, you know, there was pro- the, the cautions should have came out. There should have been some red flags in some of those situations, like the four, uh, the 19, Bubba Wallace, all those guys. Those wrecks shouldn't have happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely shouldn't have happened. And the guys shouldn't be racing in those conditions where they, they can't see. Now there's there's some things that can be installed to the cars as far as like re- there's a external red light that the uh, V8 supercars have. A buddy of mine that races over there in Australia was sending me some pictures and some stuff, and he's like, "Man, this is what you guys need." Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a brake light inside the interior of the car right now of the Cup car, but you know that's only on when the brakes on. So um, I think that they could have like a. This is just me talking like i'm you know no he thought some ideas here blow this out of the you know shoot this full of holes if you want i don't care but uh maybe there could be a constant red light that's on the back of the car in those conditions so it's always on you always see the cars in front of you at distance i think preferably that we wouldn't be racing in that type of conditions that's too much water and i've been in 24-hour events where uh they've thrown the yellow flag in the Daytona 24 hours. I remember in 2004, we ran under caution for like three or four hours in the middle of the night because of the rain. It was too much. Mm-hmm. They tried to get the race going again and rain a little harder, pedal up in some spaces and they'd have to, 
they'd have to say, hey, enough's enough. We can't do this anymore. we got cars. Cars can't go. Cars can't go fast. Cars are sliding and hydroplaning everywhere. So, I mean, any even the series, even those motor racing series and, and organizations that have really perfected racing in the rain have limitations, right? So we should, too, and we got to find out where those are. You know, I applaud NASCAR and, and Marcus Smith and everybody for trying to give us a good show, give us a great race, um, and we're learning where those limitations are, and we'll figure it out, right? And, and it'll get better. But it is unfortunate that those crashes happened. They shouldn't have happened. Um, the race, we should have aired, I think, a little more on the side of, of being conservative with, with that rain and that much water. It's a flat track. There's not, I don't know where the water's running off to, uh, where it stands, where it, doesn't, where it can't feed off the track. So uh, it had been better probably, I think, for some of those guys, especially competitors out on the racetrack down that back straightaway, to have, have to not be in that situation, right? Running down yeah. a straightaway at 110 or 20 or 50 miles an hour, can't see 20 feet in front of you. That's not good. The visibility thing is not – that's the key there. Terrifying. If you can't, if you can't see – Yeah. Man. Being a race car driver is dangerous, but it, you don't have to be stupid, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like I have this gravitational urge – to say, figure it out, everybody, because you know, the, you know, the show has to go on. You can't have all these things every week just being, uh, you know, plagued by rain or weather. But there, it, when you can't see, yeah, you can't expect people to be able to perform in that or 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 drive safely at all. Like you can slow it down by half, and you know, but when you slow it down, you saw what happened to Truex. Yeah, got ran right into the back of. I mean, uh, so I. I had this gravitational urge to want to go and tell Harvick to to man up. You know, Harvick came out hot and and saying this is the dumbest thing ever. But I can't really disagree with him now. I mean, like, I I think that he's probably right. Like, if you can't see, and the spotters can't see. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I mean, you know, Harvick gets out of the car. He's just – this is all just – he just went through that experience, right? I've been in this situation where something – like, okay, we wrecked at Talladega. It's the first thing I thought about when you came out, out hot. I get out. I'm like, yeah, blood, blood sport, blood sport, right? right. Yeah, this is dangerous. This is dumb. I don't remember all the things I said, but blood boy, sport was. I, the lay, first. I went hard as I could go. Yes, right? you did. And you're in. If I wouldn't have gave that interview and you would have asked me the same question three hours later, I'd have gave you a completely different answer and probably mm-hmm. a little more sensible, you know, answer that had better points, right? Um, so I kind of get where Harvick gets out of the car and he. I'm sure he still feels the same way, but he probably would have put it a little more eloquently if he'd give you know if he'd give himself more time or not you know. But right out of the car, you're so damn mad, and it is foolish, right? And you feel like, hey, this is a, this is obviously um, something that was avoidable. Yeah. And so, uh, but I have to agree with him as well, Mike. I didn't even have him in my fantasy lineup. You know, so it didn't like, you know, like so this really like didn't really yeah. I had no skin in the game. And that's really where the priorities <laughs> land. <laughs> is, is it clearly. I did have true X in my fancy lineup. Yeah. Was, you know, I was I was wondering how many of these races have been affected by weather, and I asked Bob Pockrass this morning, and like in twenty twenty, thirteen of the thirty six weekends were affected by weather in some shape or form. So far in twenty twenty one, four uh, of the of the fourteen that we've run this year, four have been affected by weather. Daytona uh, was, you know, big five-hour delay, Bristol Dirt Race, obviously, Martinsville, and Coda. My point on this is, you know, I do think that there is a responsibility by NASCAR. Now, maybe for the next five, ten years, I know we've got a new car, we got all these things, and I think everybody's doing everything they can, but I think we need to reinforce the fact that if our sport is really going to take, uh, take hold and really move us into the next 
10, 20 years. we got to figure out ways to be able to, to weather the storm, so to speak, with, uh, you know, with new engineering technologies, whatever it is. That's why when you say, hey, here's an idea, yeah. like shoot holes in it, I don't think there are bad ideas right now. And we got enough smart engineers out there that's like, hey, the tires, we know the tires, you know, we got rain tires now. Well, now we got to do something about the spray. Yeah. The spray's got to, and you, you, it's trial by error. So we're not sitting here saying like anybody did anything wrong, but I do think that this many rain dates, or this this uh, vulnerability to weather is something that probably could be improved on. And I like what Marcus Smith said. Remember when Marcus was talking about, hey, maybe we put a roof over Bristol. Like, that's some out, outside-the-box thinking. You ain't putting a roof over, you know, Coda, but I'm telling you that just some ideas on which to, to be able to pl- have the show go on. We're still a sport of entertainment. Got to be safe, but we still got to put on a show. It's a very it's, it's it's a responsibility that you know. I absolutely want us to try to continue to to figure out how to race in the rain. I think it's I love to watch the guys in the cars be challenged, right? For grip, be put in difficult situations, um, having having them have any kind of vulnerability. So the cars are bulletproof, but if we put them out there in the rain, now we've got technology that they're not familiar with with wipers, uh, fans, interior. You know, stuff going on in the cockpit to keep the fog out of the windshield and stuff like that. All those things are failing and not working right. Like drivers drivers are struggling with the vision and all those things. And yeah. I, it, some of that stuff I like, but, um, you know, and there are some re- easy things, easy solutions to fixing the spray. As far as I could tell and, and from, from watching the – the spray wasn't a problem on other parts of the track. And that's a lot of that, a lot of that, you know, because of the speeds, right? They're, they're slowing down running at a different pace than they were on that back straightaway. Maybe there's a chicane or two that's added in that back straightaway in the future. Maybe we never even have to worry about it because of the weather never gets like this again in August in, in Austin for the race. If we go back, uh, NASCAR went to Richmond, I think yesterday to test a wet tire. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how that went, but, they're trying to figure out if there's any way possible for us to race in damp conditions on ovals, short tracks, mm. uh, which I think is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best thing, I mean, ovals, for the most part, have banking. They're going to wick themselves, wash, the rain's going to wash away, roll off the banking. So there's, all, there's never going to be standing water to worry about, I believe, at most ovals and short tracks. So I think this is long overdue for us to find a way to compete. The other thing, too, is think about if it's, if it's damp conditions and changing and think about how the, they would move around to look for speed and grip and also keep the temperature out of the tire by trying to find wet track. Uh, it could really change the grooves and the way they drive these racetracks and really, really make for some entertaining stuff. So I'm excited that they're going to try to keep pushing forward, that they're not just going to shut it down Oh yeah, and, and back away from what happened Sunday. Uh, they're going to try to figure it out, fix the flaws that they uncovered, and move forward. So, should be pretty cool. What was the other thing we talked about? Uh, North Wilkesboro, ten million. So recently in the news, North Wilkesboro has been talked about. Marcus Smith was on the show several weeks ago and said, "Hey, we haven't given up on North Wilkesboro." Well, we finally got some news on really what that means. Uh, it looks like the the local government, uh, the state of North Carolina, is going to um, put some money into. Uh, the motorsports organ- uh, business in nor- mm-hmm. in the whole state. So there's there's millions of dollars going to North Wilkesboro, Rockingham, Charlotte, and also money going to some of the short tracks in the area. From what I could tell, uh, from the information that I saw, some of the smaller 
regional short tracks are also going to benefit from some of this money. So um, I love it. I think it's great that the state wants to invest in the motorsport industry. It's been very profitable uh, and a good business for the state. And uh, most of the NASCAR industry is home to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a correct statement to say still? Absolutely. And so um, I'm pretty excited about it. But back to North Wellsboro, $10 million, that's a lot of money. Um, that could do a lot of great work. Uh, they don't want to, from talking to Marcus and, and listening in to uh, the conversations that I've heard, they don't want to just make this thing a monument or something to visit. Uh, they don't want to just go in there and, and slap a coat of paint on and, tr- and cut the grass and say, hey, come check us out. Uh, come, some, come, you know, come, come look at this you know, monument sitting here. They want to make this place a functioning event uh, space right, for auto racing, concerts, festivals, and I think there is a demand for it. So, that my opinion, the days of building, you know, giant 150,000-seat racetracks are over for a while. Mm. And the, the days of trying to feel, uh, you know, 150 to 200,000 people into a racetrack may be over for a while, right? Our, our, our um, expectations for a full-capacity event need to come down just a little bit, and I think everybody's starting to understand that, right? Um, yeah, they tear, they've been tearing yeah, down grandstands they for the have, last five, for, six for years. a long time, right? So this isn't controversial. But to say, hey, man, we sold out, we got 60,000 people here, I think that's a good thing to say now, right? Yeah, you, would, you wouldn't want to say that 15 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it's okay to say that, and it's okay to be proud of that. And so maybe these venues that are smaller, like North Wilsboro, do now have a renewed purpose, right? Something that wouldn't have served us 10 years ago might can serve us today. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I really don't know any more details about what Mark's vision is for the future of North Wilsboro. Um, if it was up to me, uh, he spent, what, $2 million, I guess, is what I read, of uh, putting dirt on Bristol, right? Yep. If it was up to me, if he's going to, it's going to cost him $2 million to put dirt on Bristol every year, right? And he wants to do a cup race, truck race, Xfinity race, World of Outlaw, uh, the dirt uh, wedge late models, unmodifieds, and have all those guys coming through in a span of about four weeks, so six weeks, right? I would just, you're going to, if you're going to make, if you're going to make North Wilsboro a racetrack, if you're going to have auto racing there, you got to repave it. The surface is oh, yeah. not good enough. No, that's right. So in the in, in in the corners of the racetrack, the asphalt's actually slid down the banking and it's wrinkled up real bad. Right. You'd have to dig it up and pave it. Right. Uh, you couldn't make the surface right now work. So I would dig it up and make it a dirt track. I'd make that your that would be Xfinity your... truck and cup dirt track. And uh, let Bristol be Bristol. Let Bristol be Bristol, and we'd go to North Wilsboro and run our dirt race. And... Then it can function because it, it's in a space, it's in an area where I think dirt racing can succeed. If you'd have weekly, uh, every other week, whatever, uh, dirt racing with, with local racers, you could succeed there. And um, he could have that big, you know, month, month and a half long, or he could have, you know, he could have the World Outlaws there. He could have the, yeah, get big, he could have the big races, right? Yeah. Then it can be that concert venue he wants it to be. And I believe he can do all that at that racetrack without having to go through what he goes through at Bristol. Um, so I, that's just my opinion about it. I think the $10 million could go to um, 
you know, to, to fixing up the grandstands and the suites and so forth, you're going to probably tear a lot of that stuff down and completely rebuild new suites and so forth. Um, some of the framework may be okay. I don't really know. But um, a lot of that stuff's probably not code up to code anymore and would have to get redone anyways. So a lot of the, lot of the infrastructure, I mean, a lot of that $10 million is going to have to go into everything but the track, right? Oh, yeah, man. I you're mean, not, it, it needs help. The you're going to spend that $10 million and still not have touched the surface of the track, the walls, safer barriers, or anything. You're still not, you know. And then you're, so if he takes his $2 million that he's putting into Bristol or if he's going to do Bristol again next year, take that $2 million and go to, go to North Wilsboro, maybe only spend it once or twice, right? Yeah. Instead of every year at Bristol. I don't know. How much would it cost? All right, you're talking about dirt. Uh, how much would it cost to repave a track? Do you have any I have like no clue. any like? Would you, if you had to guess, is it like no idea? I wouldn't know. Wouldn't even know. Yeah, it's got to be at least ten, probably. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I like this dirt track idea. Hey, let me ask you this though: Do you think that they have sort of remember the stigma was that these racetracks can't support themselves uh, when they're in these little bitty markets? And you know, we were led to believe that Rockingham was like that, and Wilkesboro certainly. And so they started building these tracks in big markets, but. Yeah. Have we now come to a conclusion that that's not necessarily the case? Or do we, I mean, like, if they really are going to invest money in Wilkesboro, you can build up all the infrastructure you want. It's still in Wilkes County, North Carolina, which is around nothing. Yeah. And I wonder if they have rethought and think that, yeah, we can, even with the scale back grandstands. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that it cycles, whereas this venue, this venue wouldn't have served us a purpose. 15 years ago when we were going to big markets and that was functioning and, and successful financially. But with the way everything's kind of reset, you know, you're looking at tracks like Chicago going away. Right. You're looking at Fontana either getting smaller. Yep. Right. And, and part of that property being sold off. It just seems like that this might be an opportunity for this venue to step back in and have a role. Yeah. Uh, also, Camping World is in conversation with Marcus Smith about putting a store on the property and investing money into the rebuild, not only putting the store there, which will draw some attention, uh, but also putting money into the rebuild. When you're a track owner, Mike, that has to check a box as far as naming rights or some sort of a yearly annual agreement that's a monetary boom for the track right with that with that happening that's a plus right if you were you know so that aids in encouragement to to and with the state and the local government as well being really in support of this they they're begging you to come right they're begging you to get back there and also, uh, you know, people are going to keep it, you know, if we don't mention this, people are going to mention it for us. The Rocking, Rockingham Speedway also is part of this conversation as far as getting money. Um, That's right. And, and so, and Rockingham is a functioning facility, albeit, uh, you know, they have the same issues with some of the infrastructure. The buildings are old. A lot of the, you know, I mean, just, you know, there's some work that needs to be done to some of this stuff. Uh, the interior of the buildings and so forth, the garages and whatnot, they'd love to probably modernize a lot of that stuff. Uh, but they're having a race there, a car store race there later this year. So, I mean, that track is still able to have events. And uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of where, I mean, I, I really am all about 
I see a I see a great business opportunity for North Wilsboro Speedway if it wants to fit into that if it wants to check that box as a dirt track for for the uh, uh, top three series. But uh, it'll be interesting to see where Rockingham falls right. in the line. There, right. right. You're not putting dirt on it. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah. what is Rockingham's well, well, role? Where do they fit in the ecosystem? Yeah. Here? Are they, right. Do they get trucks, Xfinity cut? Right. Cut? I mean, well, I don't know. You know, who's who's behind trying to get them more auto racing? And uh, they also are trying to, you know, be that complete event venue type of thing where they have festivals, and they've had them. Um, concerts and so forth, and I think that that's that's more likely going to be what they're geared toward. Um, I'm, I know they're not going to quit on the idea of having racing there, but I just don't know where they fit. Right, mm. the location of that racetrack versus I don't know. It's, it's a difficult it's a difficult sale for me as far as Rockingham. I can't find Rockingham Speedway when I'm in Rockingham, North Carolina. I swear, I can't ever find it. I mean, it's it's hard. And maybe that speaks more to me. But, yeah, it's that location, of all things, is difficult. North Wilkesboro is on the side of an interstate. Yeah. You know? I don't know. For some reason, for me, if I was if I was to say, hey, you get to choose one or the other to bring back what you're going to do, I'd probably go for North Wilkesboro. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but you <laughs> – I don't have a. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you never liked Rockingham to begin with. I did. I ended up with a great relationship with that track. We ran in the top five in our last race there. Oh, I remember because you just won the Daytona 500 the week before, and you celebrated more for that top five at yeah. Rockingham than you did for the Daytona 500. So it tells you how hard it is to run good there. Um, I don't have really a, t- a huge emotional attachment to either track. I just see maybe a better long term possibility with North Wilsboro for some reason. I don't know. But anyways, I never, ever, ever thought that that track would oh, have a chance. No. Especially after we went there yeah. a couple years ago to weed eat the place. Yeah. The thing was done. Yeah. I'm like, no, I've seen it. The garages are over. Of course, there's, there. you know, you could spend a ridiculous amount of money, you know, but you'd have to bulldoze the place and then build it back up. Yeah. And But yeah, man, I mean... With the grant from the government, which is a big commitment yeah. to motorsports, which I love that part. Yeah, man. It's got life. Fine. Yeah. It's it's absolutely happening as far as the conversation's absolutely yep. happening. What I, th- what I thought we'd Hey, can happen. we just say Marcus Smith? Talk about wheeling and dealing and making things happen. Yeah. I mean, between Nashville, Wilkesboro, I mean, the dude, Coda, the dude has got irons of the fire. Good for him, right? That's why we got to have Dale Jr. be our Marker Smith insider. Give us all the yeah. all, all the stuff. Go get on a get on a plane with him and make something happen. You know, yeah. give us a skinny yeah. on it. Who knows what's next for that guy? He's come up with some pretty awesome ideas here. Less a little bit. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing? or the neighborhood best, and why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. and You know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On Homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. 
Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. All right, Carrie's here, so I'm excited about this. Been thinking about this conversation. Let's get him in the studio. Thanks for coming. You brought you brought stuff. What are you bringing us? Yeah, he's gonna. That's a later story. Might be. He got some evidence. I think. I got you. Back. <laughs> What's up, Kerry? Because he, he knows I'm gonna have a different story than his. Oh so yeah. He's probably brought some evidence. Well, to back up his story. No. Well, there ain't no evidence. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> we destroyed. It might be. We destroyed the evidence. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming, Kerry. Have you ever been on my podcast? No, I have you not. Been on? All right, no, so this will be good. It's a long time coming. It is. It's a long time of, coming. like jealous because I think Kelly has. and Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, Man. LW, I mean. No, LW's Mamaw not. has. Mamaw has. I mean, all know, right, all right. Point, I get the point. point. I mean, we lived together for how long? And I, I mean, don't even know. It's a couple of years. See, I, I, I honestly think that this is going to be interesting for all of us because of how you guys remember the past differently. Because yes. I just bet you do. I bet y'all remember things differently and you have different oh, interpretations sure of everything. I'm sure well, we do. this is the thing. I wanted to talk about your childhood. I wanted to ask you about your childhood, ask you about what that was like for you, and to, and to start us set the stage. We met for the first time. I think I was around 13, 13 years old. 13, yep. And you, we were at a family reunion. That's the first time we had ever met. All right? So you were how old? Actually, you may have been younger than that. Because I, might I was been. 16. Okay. Because I'd gotten my life up. We'll get into that story. but You were 16. Yeah, I was All 16. All right, so you lived 16 years before we met. Yep. Before you met Kelly or me. Or you. We met the same yeah. day. Exactly. And that was at a fam- family reunion at Mammals, wasn't it? Nope. <laughs> we were at Mammals. No, it wasn't. Was that the second time we met? Yeah. When was the, Where were we at the first time? At your house. What? On the lake. What was going on? Nothing? Do we need to start from the beginning? So I we guess. Kind of lead up to it. Sure. I just curious. I really want to know what. Well, we- you know, I, I grew up. My my mom and dad separated when I was three years old, and um, she met a guy named Jack Key. And was 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 dad and La- your mom's name is Latane. Latane. Were yep. they married? They were married for how many years? Well, probably about three, three, three and a half years. Man, he was young. Uh, she yep. was young. Yeah, they were 18. God, Whoa. Yeah. They were 18. Yeah. But anyway. No, that's great. I mean, it's cool because, you know, I had a great life. Um, my dad, Jack, my stepdad, Jack, he, he came in and adopted me and All raised right, me. So dad and Latine got divorced and then. Nope. No? Yeah. They did? <laughs> yeah. So when, I mean, how would she get married if they wasn't divorced? I'm spelling this out for the listener. So. Dad and Latane got divorced, and then when? How long till Jack came into the picture? It was two years later. Two he, years later. Yeah, well, he kind of come in and hanging out and being friends and stuff, and then about two years later, they started getting serious. And then when I was six years old, they got married, and he adopted me. And what was he like? He's cool. Yeah, yeah. He was um, he was big into golf, loved golfing, and he had a pro shop where he built golf clubs and a driving range for you to go hit you know golf balls, practice, and so it was fun times. We. You know, done a lot of fishing and um, golfing. So 
I didn't know he did that golfing. Yep, yep. I um, remember him as a GM for Hardy's. He, they moved him around. Well, yeah, that was after the fact. Yeah. That was after his golfing days had kind of dwindled down. Yeah. All these big courses coming in, buying everything. So they came in and bought the driving range that we were leasing. And, um, you know, we had our shop there and everything, building clothes, or he did. And whenever that all happened, that's when he went to work at Hardy's, general manager at Hardy's. And yeah. So if you look at mine and Carrie's street stock cars, they had Hardy's, Hardy's. on the hood because we went to Jack, and Jack yep. gave us $500. $500. Oh, that's right. Okay. To put Hardy's. Yeah. That, was a, we, that, that really, was a big sponsor. That went a long ways. Yep. Yeah. So anyhow, so Jack is a great guy. I remember Jack being yep. super awesome. What is your earliest thought about Dad? Like, where where in this whole process well, are you going, who's this other guy? Yeah, well, I was in um, I was ninth grade. Ninth grade? Yeah. Had Dad been? Well, I knew there was something, you knew but he, I didn't know what. You, you knew know? there was a man. Well, I just knew that I didn't know about him. They, they didn't talk about Dad or you tell me anything about Dad about or that. anything. Nope. You knew nothing about Dad? Nothing. Wow. Until about ninth grade, and I kind of, you know, started asking questions about, because I couldn't find out I was adopted. You know, they told me about How'd all that. How did you find that out? Um, my mom, somebody, I don't remember who it was, but someone had brought up the fact that, you know, Jack was her second marriage, and and uh, you started asking, I started asking questions, and yeah, <laughs> holy smokes. Well, wait, what was so, your what, what last name were you going by? I had my name was Key back then, K E Y, yep. and um, so in the ninth grade, I started asking questions about you know how where he came into my life because I was older than what they were when they got married, yeah. So I'm like, I wasn't putting all this together, so I thought well, maybe they had me and then waited to get married, yeah. And then you know, mama told me I was adopted, and had that conversation go with her was she up uh was she emotional or yeah yeah she was emotional um you know she didn't tell the whole story she just told me there was rough times in their life and they got married early and you know things just didn't work out mm-hmm. and then she met jack and you know they were kind of settled down and a little more more mature than what you know dad and mom was back when they got married mm-hmm. and so you know he adopted me and we lived our life and then in ninth grade like i said i started figuring it all out through conversations and started asking mama about questions about my dad, who he was and everything. And so how she, old, what year was this? Oh Lord, man. I'm sorry, brother. That's what this podcast is about. Yeah. yeah we got, we, we, we got, we got to figure all this out. So yeah. like if you were nine years old, nine years old, ninth grade, we need to know ninth, where, nine years we need to know where grade, dad was grade. in his life at this point, like who he was. And when you're in the ninth grade, Jeez. you're probably, 16 no 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 no. he's got to be about 14 yeah Yeah, 13 or 14 13 13 to 14 yeah and so so that'd been what well what year were you born 69 all right well anybody want to do the math at the table (laughs) 82 83 so dad just okay he's winning winning championships yeah dad won his first championship and and he's a couple years into his cup stuff okay so you ask her about your daddy yep Asked my dad, and she started explaining things to me, and then who he was, and you know it didn't hit me that who he was at the time, mm-hmm. how you know successful he's becoming, and everything. You couldn't Google, you couldn't. Nope, back oh, no. then I didn't even have a cell yeah, phone. Right, you know, you we had to dial phone on the. Still didn't know anything. rotary thing, you know. Yeah. Still had so, nothing. No clue, and then um, st- you know I, I played baseball and football, yep. and I played baseball over in Jackson Park in the Beth Page area, and. There was this lady and three girls that were there. 
I noticed they they're every game watching. So after the game, after the one of the games, I don't remember how many they've been to, but I was out there and this lady come walking up and she introduced herself as Martha. Holy smokes! And she says, "I'm your grandmother." <laughs> and these are your nieces. It was um, Stacy, Jennifer, and maybe Ashlyn. Your cousins. Our cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. So that's, that's something to throw at a guy about right before his baseball game, ain't Well, it, it was after the game. <laughs> okay, yeah, still. after that game. Still. I'm and, your grandmother? Uh, that's how that... Yeah, but were, I was, it was really cool, you know, because... Were you really shy about it, or...? No, I, I started talking. We really didn't get any conversation about Dad. We just started talking, and, you know, how she enjoyed watching me play ball, and, you know, the cousins wanted to get to know me and maybe get together and hang out some. Wow. So we only did that at the ball games, and um, I don't know if my... Dad Jack knew all this at the time. Okay, um, I know he saw me talking to him and hanging out with them, playing and stuff. But I don't think he knew who they were for sure. How do you think Jack felt about the curiosity that you had for learning about your dad? Well, we kind of kept it from him for a while. Um, so after I found out who my dad was, and me and Mama got talking more serious about it, she was good friends with Sherry Earnhardt, which is Danny yes. Earnhardt's sister, Dad's brother. So. We had worked it out one day where I went to their house. Me and my mom went to their house, and we called Dad, and I talked to him on the phone for the first time. My dad. Yep. Your dad. Our dad. Our dad. Yeah. You talked to him on I mean, the phone? my dad. I'm just trying. I didn't know if you were talking our about dad. Jack. No. So. You talked to him on the dad. phone for I the talked first time. our yes. dad first time on the phone. Yeah. And it was a. Wait a minute. So who set this up? Sherry, Mom. And you're sitting there, and you know that they're calling him? Yeah, I knew he was going to go, and I was going to get to talk to him on the phone. For the very first very time? first time. Where are you? What's your feelings? Are you like... I was kind of nervous. Freaking you know? yeah, I right? Mean, how kind of nervous? Yeah. You know, well, I, mean, I, I wasn't guess, sure how it was going to go, the right. conversation, what we was going to talk about, or anything like so that. So what did he say? So when I called, he said, hello. I said, hey, this is Carrie. He said, hey, son. I said, hey, how you doing? And we just got the conversation. I don't remember the whole conversation, right. but... How was you know, he? We talked about how we missed... You know, yeah. growing up and times him him he missed me growing up and I missed you know being with him and that maybe oh we could work gosh. that out someday. My and gosh! So, what did he? Did you after the conversation? I mean, after that phone call, I was at I was kind of just relieved. You yeah, know, I, I got to talk to my dad and you know, I knew who he was now. Was he? Uh, did he seem sincere? And, and he did. Yeah. He did. You know, he can be kind of awkward. You know, dad, he, he doesn't know how to do it. He was kind of just. <laughs> Easy he talking, yeah. know, and he he would. I mean, at the at that time, know, I didn't know, realize. I don't I know, know you don't know him, know him. Bad or you good didn't know talk. what to expect. Yeah, right. You didn't have a basis so, to. But you couldn't so, grade him. So after that conversation, you know, <laughs> so wild, kind of, you know, sat back and thought about what would be my next step. Yeah. Um. So I t- talked to Mamma at some of the games, and you know about coming coming to see her and everything. Well. When you have a conversation with him, right, and you're st- you're talking about having these, you know, thinking about these next steps, like, are you able, are you hardly able to be patient? Like, I would, if I were in your shoes, I would literally be th- uh, thinking about this every second of my, of the day. And I did, um, but I knew I had obstacles to go through with my mom and Jack. Ah, yeah. So. What are obstacles? Well, you know. Feelings? It, it wasn't talked about in our household, mm-hmm. you know, Jack wasn't for me visiting with him okay. or being in his life and that's why i was out of was it so long was jack why do you think jack felt that way 
was he upset with dad because i don't know i don't know if you know because you know dad was starting his racing career when i was young and you know he was all the time on the road and going and just right. family time wasn't an option then. Jack- he was you know out building his career and um not saying that he didn't i know want to be with me or around yeah. me he just was building his career yeah. and you know, sometimes whenever you have something to chase like that, you kind of forget things yeah. back at home. But I was wondering, though, Jack, I know remembering Jack like I do, I can't see him being jealous. I can see him more like. Uh, well, I think I think he was more about me getting hurt. Yeah. Like, you know, who's it? Like, how, why now? Right. Like, what, right. What, what's this, guy's, in, and why what's this now? guy's intentions? Right. So, yeah, I felt that. Yeah. Um, he never did say that, but I felt that's what it was. So. After that conversation on the phone, you know, said so at the ball games, I was talking to my mom, my cousins, and talking about you know getting this come over and visit sometime. And you know, I, I kind of talked to mom a little bit about it, and she said, "It ain't gonna happen," you know, because Jack he wouldn't be all for that. So I talked to my mom and told her, you know, it was going you know, on time we get to see Joe's at ball games until I get my license. So when I got my license, I could do what I want. And I, told, I promised her whenever I got my license, I would come over and see her. And if there's by chance that dad was in the shop, which is right behind her house, yes. you know, I might go see him and visit him for the first time. Golly. So wait a minute. Three years? The yep. first time you talked to him? Yep. And you still didn't see him? Still didn't see him. For three years? For three years. My I did get Christmas gifts. Didn't you get pissed? What? At what point are you well, over, like running out of patience? None? I was kind of, I, t- I took nice. it easy. You were too you know, nice. I, I was kind of being easy with it. and <laughs> You didn't want to run it off? I did, well, I just didn't want to stir things up where it could never happen. Right. You were you worried know? about running it off. Yeah. Ruining it. Ruining it. Who introduced the idea of, of arranging a meeting? Was it was it Dale or was it you? It or, was, is it the, or is it like Mamaw? Well, and, and I never others? arranged it with Dad. I just, you know, we just talked about one day maybe we could get back together and just visit some, and it just never, nothing happened from that. But yeah. that was and after that phone call, I never talked to him again. After, After that, that for- one phone call. Oh, my gosh. Um, like I said, I did get Christmas gifts from him every Christmas. And then... Um, oh, my gosh, so man. I can't believe this. During that time, I was, you know, talking to mom about it and talking to mom about it. And just it just wasn't going to happen. I knew that she wasn't going to do it. The day I got my license, we went and got my license. I had a 72 Chevelle. <laughs> and we got back home. And I told mom I was going to go just cruise around and, you know, just have fun driving by myself. So the first place <laughs> I went was Mamaw's. Yeah. And I come in the back way and, you know, where you park in front of the house and you still can't be seen by the shop. Yeah. And I walked in the front door and it was easy with Memo. I mean, it, I walked right in. We we're right. hanging out, talking. And uh, our conversations were about, you know, what I did in growing up, my hobbies and things I enjoyed. And then we talked about, you know, I talked to her about going out to see Dad. Was and, he out there? Yep, he was out there. Well, I asked, How, at first, I guess I asked if she was out there, and she said, yeah, he's out there. How long did you talk to Memo before you went out it there? It took me about two hours. <laughs> Whoa! What? Yeah, about two hours. He's out there just he's, working in the shop? He, yeah. And, oh, my and God. Could, and, you know, Dad, he could leave any minute. Yeah. You know how he does, God, just jump big and take off. But finally, I built the courage up and walked out the back door. And, you know, the back door comes down, and you're right there at the garage. So I walked in the garage, and... It was, you know, everybody laughing and clanging tools and stuff. Yeah. But so when I opened that door, it got quiet. Yeah, I bet. And uh, I remember Tony Sr. was sitting there in, on, in one of the suspensions of one of the cars, and Dad was under the hood, and he he just raised up when I opened the door, 
And Tony turned around. And that's when that thing, and things got quiet. Yeah. And the dad's like, hey, son. I said, hey, dad, how you doing? He said, good. So we sat there and talked a little bit. And he says, come on, let's go riding. So we rode around town a little bit, just talking about things. And um, he mentioned about me coming to the house and visiting and getting to meet you and Kelly. And I'm like, Hell, heck, yeah, we'll do that. So, you know, we set the date. And I can't remember the day or anything, but yeah. I came there. Was it was it sh- shortly after that, or it was shortly after that? Yeah, it was like that following week. Let me ask you a question. So you you have this, you've met him, uh-huh. right? When you're sitting in that truck riding around with him, are you? Is it like surreal? Are you? Can you know? You find you. Yeah. What's it, that feel it was, like? It was. It was just like. It's like we hadn't been apart, you know. Was I, con- there was a just, connection. It was relaxed. It was a magical. You know, I, I just had to be a connection because, yeah. you know, it wasn't no, I wasn't nervous after that or anything. After Weren't. I walked in that shop and saw him, I was just kind of just relaxed you, after that. You go you go back to the shop. Did you go say bye to Mamaw? Yep, went back and said bye to everybody. And What did you tell Mamaw? I told her it was really cool that we got to spend time together and got to talk. What was I the guess. conversation, though? Not with Mamaw, with it your dad. Just, it was just about... You know, things we did in life, and then he explained, you know, his uh, life growing up and why he left and, you know, chasing his dream. And he regretted every minute of it, but knew that Jack had offense to us talking or meeting, so he didn't interfere with that. He respected Jack for that. So we got done riding and everything, and we had that date set up. So wait, sorry. I'm you, I know. Well, we got all day. So, all right. um, all right. you get in your car, right? And you drive home. Yep. Did you? What? How do you? You? Man, I was pumped. I was excited. I know, but did you? What did you do when you got home? How'd you? Did, how'd your mom not figure it out? Well, the, Jack was at work, so I walk in and I went to Mama's mom. I said, "I got to talk to you." She said, "What's that?" I said, "I told you I was going to go riding around, just cruise around, get the feel of driving you told myself." Her? But I did go to Mamaw's. And she said, did what? I said, I went to Mamaw's and visited Mamaw for a while. And I said, and Dad was back there in the shop, and I went and saw him. What'd she say? And she just started crying. She said, well, you know, what is it like? Was everything good? And, you know, we went through everything. I told her about all of it, and she was relieved that things went as calm and easy as it did. What'd she think was going to happen? Well, she didn't know. Yeah. You know, you think about it, times I, I, as we yeah. had a part from three years old to 16 years old, so yeah. you don't see each other, just talk to each other. One time on the phone, you never know what's going to happen. Ugh. You know, I didn't know if I would be accepted or rejected. Yeah. You know, I, I, I felt I would be accepted because when we talked on the phone, you know, he told me he wanted to see me and stuff. So, yeah, I guess when you're walking in, you know, when you're walking out that door of Memo's house and walking toward that shop door, there's that moment. Are you wor- Are you thinking about that in that moment? Yep. Of like, man, this is going it's, one way or the other. It's going to happen. You know, we'll figure out what's going to go from here. So, damn. All right. So I pull up in the driveway, and you're out in the front yard playing with a couple <laughs> guys in football. Yeah. And Kelly wasn't out there. It was just you and a couple of kids. Ryan and Nick Stutz, probably. I don't know. No, it was. But I walked up on the street and knocked on the door, and it wasn't Dad that answered. It was someone else. And I said, "Hello." She says. Hey, you can slam the door. <laughs> I said, hey, and slam yep. the door? Yep. And then Dad, I heard him inside, you know, a little loud, and he come to the door and, hey, son, so I'm sorry about that. So she wasn't expecting you and didn't know what was going on. So, yeah. Well, who was that? 
Teresa. It's Teresa. <laughs> Why are you having a hard time saying it? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I just, everybody knows who it is. Yeah. Could have been like a housekeeper or something. But could have been Kelly. I felt, I could, <laughs> <laughs> Teresa. Well, I doubt Kelly would have slammed the door like that. And <laughs> I don't know that a housekeeper would either. Yeah. So anyway, dad comes to the door and says, sorry about that. So he wasn't expecting everything. So come on in. So I walked in. And we went down in the basement and sat and hung out and talked for on the orange a good while. Yeah. Yeah. The pool table in there. Yeah. So we talked for a good while. Was that Comet Machine there yet? Probably. I don't. He had that over in the corner yeah, with I a believe barber's it was. chair. I believe it was. Yeah. Do you know anything about Carrie at this point? Mm-mm. Like, you have no idea you have a brother. Well, no. I've heard that we had a brother, but didn't know what that meant, right? So my first memory of meeting him wasn't at this house. It was at Mamaw's at a family reunion, yep. and we'll talk about that later. But and, so, I, and I, I expect he didn't think much about it because he's out there playing football. And, and I, mean, know, I mean, I, <laughs> I wouldn't expect him to be watching for me. I didn't know he was coming. I didn't right. know. And you had a route to run and, and a touchdown yeah. score. So, like, you know, you, you got your priorities. Yeah, you know, you know him <laughs> and football, how they are. So. Oh, goodness. But so I, we sit there and talk for a long time, and uh, – I didn't even actually talk to you or Kelly at that time. We had talked about doing some stuff and, you know, just kind of building slowly our family and, you know, meeting each other again. And then, like you said, the reason you don't remember that is because the first time we actually met was at the family reunion. Wow. And, you know, actually introduced each other and stuff, mm-hmm. you and Kelly both. So I remember at the family reunion you came there, and uh, I was excited about it, but Kelly hogged. Carrie. Yep. Him and Kelly, uh, she got it. Like we she, bonded. I mean, we bonded right yeah. out because she was a little older and, you know, closer to my she, age. And Yep. She knew exactly what this meant, right? This The Carrie coming into our lives. Carrie, Kelly knew exactly what that meant and entailed, and she latched on to him, and they just sat at – I remember y'all sitting in that middle room in Memo's house hours and a whole damn just day. Just talking. Yeah, just them just, two. Laughing, there's tell, 30, just talking. There, there's 30 people at this family reunion, and, and them two sit there the whole time, just you know, it's, figuring it out. It was cool. Yeah. I wish I wish I had that conversations, our conversation, everything on camera, or yeah. video, or audio, or something, just to go back and listen to it. Because um, I don't remember everything that we talked about. I just remember you know talking about what I did growing up. You know, just kind of filling each other in on what our likes were and our hobbies. Yeah. Hey, you might have said this already, Carrie, and, and uh, I apologize if I'm asking again, but I don't remember. What, so Dale didn't know anything about you the time you went over to your dad's house, right? Right. When did you know that you had a brother and a sister? Like that, how, how, that first time I went to the house, so you did not the basement. Know, you didn't know that there was a Dale Earnhardt Jr. or a Kelly Earnhardt at all? Well, I knew they were some kids, but I didn't know the anything. names or anything. I just okay. knew they were some kids, other kids involved. And that was the day? And that was the day. He wow. told me about them. And, of course, you know, the pictures are in the house and everything, so you see all that. And so he explained everything and didn't want to, I guess, introduce us at that time to kind of stir things up. Kind of like I said, he wanted to just slowly grow into it. And um, I don't know what that meant or anything. Yeah, sure. And I don't think he was worried about that person that answered the door getting along with it, but <laughs> I think he was more worried about you and Kelly. Yeah. How y'all were going to deal with things and yeah. accept things. We were, we were pumped. I remember being excited because the 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 vibe in that house wasn't all that fun. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like, man, what does this mean? What is what could this mean 
inter, you know, introducing this new person into the whole dynamic right. could make things better. Could What's going to change? How's you know, how's it going to affect? You saw how and, Kelly like right. didn't want to do nothing but talk to you that yep. whole day because she was just thinking, man, this is gonna got to make things better. Right. And so you so feel. Let's fill in the gap from that moment in the at the family reunion where we all first got introduced to me and you basically living together, being pals, getting buddies. fights. And get, yeah, I don't remember any <laughs> all fights. That, all that. Arguments. I don't want to say fights. Arguments. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to fight you. Something um, about drums in the middle of the day at night. I remember know, like one or two in the morning. Phone bills being $450 yep. a week and stuff like that. But we'll get to that in a minute. But um, <laughs> after the family family reunion, what happened next? Like how, how, how much more did you get to see Dad? Well, I just started coming around to the race shop, you know, and hanging out and getting – getting to be around the guys and knowing them and you know y'all would be there in and out of there some and i don't i didn't come and hang out at the house Mm-mm. like you would think after yeah, that at the lake house so it was actually at after that visit at the house it was that christmas the fall of christmas whenever i was invited back to the house um he asked if i would come and stay tonight and i don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that or not and i did and it was really cool to wake up and you know celebrate Christmas with you all. You spent um, the night on Christmas Eve. Yes, we were downstairs in in the hall in that basement. Um, was I, I down there? Yeah, your room was down there, wasn't it? Yeah, and yes. I, I think I Kelly was down there, and there was another room down there, and I stayed in it. And we got up and done Christmas that morning. I can't believe you don't remember this. Of course, yeah, you were younger, um, but that's the only time I'd done Christmas. As far as like staying the night and getting up next morning, yeah. um, so but then after that, it just kind of everything just kind of rolled and flowed right along after that. And, you know, we got to talk and hang out, yeah. and do stuff, and then I, you know, end up getting. Let me think about this. I was I ended up getting married at eighteen, had a kid, Bobby. Yep, and then. Two years later, at 19, had another kid, Jeffrey. And I don't know if you remember them, yes. you know, growing up or anything. Oh, but, yeah. But then I separated from my wife, left her after Jeffrey was born. It was because it was like Dad and my mom. We were too young. We just didn't jail after a few years. Um, things just wasn't right for us. It wasn't a good household. So I chose to end our marriage and, you know, give our boys the best life we could give. Because together it wasn't good, yeah. arguing and fighting and bickering all the time, and you know things that she had going in in her life that didn't fit for her family life too. So we did that, and then Dad talked to—I can't remember if he just talked to me or if he talked to us together about us moving in together. At this point, I was 21. We talked about it, and he had that double wide across the road from the race shop over on Highway Three, and so we moved into there. I don't remember if you know if you remember all this, but oh. us moving in together and getting to hang out. Yeah, we had that little console TV, the yep. old style console TV had the antennas. Yeah, you know, that had the rotary dial oh, yeah. twist and the antenna would turn. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so it, we had a good time. You know, we we did a lot of stuff together, and of course, you know, living together, you're, you're always going to argue or fight or anything oh, yeah, over yeah. food or we you did. know the mess we leave laying around or whatever. And then I remember you got your set of drums, and I was working at the dealership, and I would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to work at the dealership to get started because I worked in the service department, and 
you know, sir, I was a service advisor and took customers in as they come in. So I'd get there early to get the ones dropped off already checked in. So when the people come in to, you know, get a car service or whatever, I was already called up to take care of them. So like one or two in the morning, I start hearing all these, <laughs> boom, 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 like, the hell. In a double wide. In too. a double wide. <laughs> Jeez, how obnoxious. I mean, is I that? remember seeing these come in and I thought, man, it's, it's cool. You know, he he's young. He's going to enjoy this stuff and everything. But I wasn't thinking at one freaking two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what the hell was I and doing? And I was like, got up, man, damn, dude, I got to go to work. What the hell are you doing? He said, man, I'm playing drums. I said, not now. I said, do it earlier or something. I don't know. You was out running around with your buddies or what before that. You know, you went home early to be playing drums. You had to wait till yeah. 12, <laughs> two o'clock morning whatever it was <laughs> so went on, but he didn't he didn't listen he didn't care he kept playing them oh my every God. night and i was like screw it so finally i just finally got used to it and just slept through it this is a roommate from hell oh my God. <laughs> so, i mean yeah. find me one worse come on i mean i bet you can't somebody that plays drums at two yeah. o'clock in the morning and, you know like i said i was i was 21 so i i kind of understood that he was young and enjoying life you know i've got two boys and i've got to grow up and you know, support and have a family life yeah, with my yeah. boys. <laughs> and I don't remember if you remember, like, I would get them on weekends. Heck, mm-hmm. you and the kids would be out in the yard playing, and I'm sitting there, well, you know, hey. <laughs> you know, oh, really? Because he was younger than me, and they, you know, gravitated toward him. So they were out playing football and stuff in the front yard, playing around, and had a lot of good times. Yeah. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. We race the street stock. So... We were over one day. We, me and Carrie, were standing over in the deer head shop at the uh, picnic table, and Dad threw down a piece of a newspaper, newspaper from uh, Charlotte Observer. They were starting up a street stock yep. series at Concord. Dad said, "You ought to get involved in this. Here's a way for you guys to start racing. You wanted to race. I wanted well, to race. None of us, neither one of us, were doing I'd, any. I'd never done any racing. Yeah. I think you did some cart stuff. I did some carts at twelve years old. Yeah, like ten races total. Yep. Nothing else. So." You had a friend. What was your buddy's name on that junkyard? Oh, gosh. Smitty? Uh, no. On the junkyard was Wayne's Automotive, Doug Wayne. Um, Where are we? S- Smitty was the guy. Thought, he was like a backyard mechanic. I thought he had a junkyard. Nope. Nope. Oh, okay. I got this. He was just, on. he built hot rods and he knew about, you know, tuning engines. He had a little pickup power. truck and he used to have, he had a little, you know, small toolbox in the back and yep. he slung that toolbox all, all over, over the back of that truck. I don't know how in the hell. Yeah, <laughs> the damn drawers even opened up on that thing. <laughs> but, but anyhow, I remember him being one of the guys we was running around yeah, with. He would then. be at the racetrack with us, tuning on the cars, yeah. helping us work on them and stuff. But we got us a car. You remember, we went to Wayne's Automotive and had this 
Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. What was that, 78? Yeah. So we brought it back, and Dad's like, walks out and looks at it. Man, this is really nice. So just don't mess with it while I'm gone. He would go back at the shop I mean, on the farm. Him and somebody, I can't remember who it was with him. And we were looking at each other, and it's like, man, Dad ain't going to let us build anything out of his car because he's you know, got all the windows and lights. Everything was, I mean, it's complete. Wasn't no dents or anything. Yeah. It's a nice well, we're car. Right out of the junkyard. And um, I don't even know why it was in the junkyard because it had that 305 engine in it, and it ran because that's what we started out racing with, that, yeah, that 305. Yeah. So I think we got worried about him not letting us race it, so we started, like, stripping things off of it <laughs> and maybe busting the windows out. I can't remember what all we did, but I remember we started working on it so he couldn't, like, take it from us and keep it. You know, he'd come back up there, and he's like, what the heck, man? So we when we're racing, we're afraid you're going to keep the car and not let us race it. He goes, no, so I was wanting to do some of this with you. Oh. He said, I want to help you all work on this car. We're like, well, dang, we still got a lot to do, you know? Yeah. So we actually pulled it in the shop and cleaned everything up. And uh, I remember we cut the roof off to put the roll cage in. Yeah. And started from there. You remember when he put the roll cage in it for us? So he cut the, right. he, he he wanted to make sure it was welded to the frame real good and it was safe. So he puts the roll cage in it. Me and you had gutted the doors. We had the doors ready to yep. weld back on. And he put the roof back on it and uh, tacked it on there. I come home from school, or come home from somewhere, and he is tacking the doors on. And his, the roll cage was so wide that we couldn't get the bottom tacked. The bottom tacked. wouldn't go in. The bottom wouldn't tack. Yeah. The bottom wouldn't seal. And I threw a fit. I was like, damn, daddy, you put this roll cage in here too, too wide. Messed it up. Messed it up. And he was hot because yep. I had complained because he's like, I meant messing with this car all damn day fixing this thing you gotta complain about that i'm like yeah, yeah the door don't, well, the don't door, shut you don't shut we ain't gotta you know we just gotta open <laughs> in the bottom we, we had to make a patch or something, yeah we, we took made... some metal and made strips yeah. and tacked it on down at the bottom your I delivery yeah your delivery was off but you did have a point yeah well i mean think about it you know I mean, big old gap down there yeah you don't have all that junk flying he up in there mad. on he's you like, and... he's he thought i was ungrateful yeah yeah i would have but you still had a point i was mad as hell yeah but we had a lot of good times, you know. Yeah. We raced that thing, beat the out of it. How yeah. did y'all decide who drives? Um, I drove first. I don't remember why. I think I drove the first two or three races mm-hmm. uh, before Dale would drive. I don't um, know if I had my driver's license, and at that time you I couldn't. Think, I think that's what it was. You couldn't race unless you had it. Yeah. You couldn't race in the series unless you had a real had driver's, driver's okay. license. Like they don't let them run twelve-year-olds and stuff like that. Right. Run. So well, it was actually the first three races I ran, and then you ran the fourth one. You got it. Got to where when you had your kids. I think mm-hmm. I raced. That's what it was. And Weekends you, I had my kids. Every you other raced. weekend. Yeah. So when you had your boys, I'd drive it. And when mm-hmm. you didn't have your boys, I think you drove we it. We alternated. One way or yeah. another. And then so, we eventually built a second car. But Yeah. So that's how we got started racing. As far as I remember, um, we beat – we all we used to have the – we used to burn the barons. Oh, yeah. We was always going through barons. Um, we couldn't figure out how to keep the barons in the right front wheel. Yeah. We'd smoke, we'd smoke them out. Smoke them out. <laughs> every race. Every weekend. We had we run about halfway parents. through the race and slow down. Yep. I see that damn thing start slowing down. down. Yep. Come in the pits. I'm Happened like, what's going on? Bears, there, bears. Right front wheels vibrating like yeah, about to come off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, what were y'all doing? What did you find out? We were using stock, stock stuff. Stock stuff. Stock we, stuff. We yeah. probably needed something beefier up there. We just didn't yep. know any better. Did you guys ever win? 
Uh, um, nope. Nope. Come close. The coolest we, burnout show, maybe, when we spun yeah. out. We came across. Burning <laughs> out and getting back around. Yeah. Maybe that. We but ran in the top five we, a couple times. Yeah, we had some it's fun. decent runs. but We, we didn't never, have. We didn't cheat enough. No, I think that's what it was, because I remember them guys, they, they had doing some all kinds tricked of stuff. out stuff. Yeah. Um, had them, I don't remember what model Camaros they had, the unibodies on them. Yeah, and, I never cheated enough. Yeah. That was my problem. Yeah. So... <laughs> When we, we was talking about sponsors. So me and Carrie went to Jack. By this point, Jack is A-OK with everything yeah, he's, going on. Yeah, he's kind of you know, mellowed out. So we went to him and talked to him about you know getting a sponsorship. He's like, well, let me see what I could do. He worked it out. I can't remember how long it was. He came back to us and said, I got you all $500. And you come by and get chicken because <laughs> they'd done the box of chickens back then, you know. So you come by and get chickens before you go to the racetrack. You get a box of chicken to take with you. So we did that yeah. every week. And so we had five hundred dollars all on uh, with Hardy's on the hood. We got a hundred dollars. We had uh, I think a week from Sports Image. Sports Image Sports on Image. the quarters. Yeah, and then we got free parts out of the junkyard from Doug Wayne's. Doug put that on the yep. back. There was a little gas station that gave us eighty bucks uh, to put their yep. name on the back of the car too. And remember, we went and spent eighty dollars. On candy, candy. <laughs> and it was good candy though. I mean, and think we, with eighty bucks, what you could buy. And Carrie came to the house and spent the night in my in in the basement with me, and we ate candy all yep. night, watch TV. Yeah, and that was like the first time that me and you really we hung out. Hung out. Yeah, we really we sit there and watch TV and ate candy all night, and made her belly hurt. And then uh, we got to. I remember when we were racing the street stock. So the street stock car, if you won, I think you got two hundred bucks. Yes, yeah, two hundred. But we weren't winning. We were running fifth or tenth or so and crashing every think, other week. I think we might have got a hundred bucks one time. Yeah, maybe. Well, it was even. We felt like it was really unfair because pit pass was twenty bucks whether you race street stocks or late mile stocks, right? Yep. Twenty bucks. We were lower class, so we ought to be cheaper. We, yeah, our pit yeah. pass ought to be cheaper. <laughs> so <laughs> we had a box trailer. And we'd pull over about a mile from the track, and one of us would get out of the truck and climb in that box trailer <laughs> box, yep. and sneak it, in. It, it was one of them trailers, you know, it was open in the back, but had a little box in the front that had a tire rack on top. So the little box was probably three foot wide, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, the length of the whole width of the trailer. And so every, it was alternating one, one weekend, I'd be in the box, and then one weekend, he'd be in the box. How long would you be in? Just for the mile. I mean, we just stopped down just the road. Just for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, we just stopped down the road and jump out and jump in the box and take off. But right before you get to the track, you climb, you climb in the, one of you, you climb in the box, and then the other one would drive the truck in, yep. go get his pass, pull on in through the tunnel into the tall, into the track, into the track and park in the spot. When you parked in the spot, you got out of the truck, walked to the box, opened it up, the person in there start handing you handing stuff. tools out, yeah. Hopefully, it looked like he's just helping you unload the truck. Yep. Nobody ever seen anything. Right? And we never got caught. Never. I mean, it was pretty cool. And yeah. we ended up having, I think sometimes we had two people in that box. <laughs> really? Yeah. Try uh, to push our luck. Because we just, you know, had, I think we had three or four people down there helping us on the car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who would those people be? Um, Smitty was one. Walter Balls. Walter, yeah. Was, he was down there. I think Uncle Danny came some. Maybe. I think he came down and helped some, too. When Tony Jr. started raising his late model, Senior and Tony Jr. Yep. would be around. They'd be, you know, around. they'd be next to us if yep. we needed any serious help. Yep. That's funny. And so, you know, after those years, we ended up going into 
I actually went in the street uh, dash. Uh, Goody's Dash car, and you went to late model. Mm-hmm. I remember going up to your shop uh, when you were preparing for Daytona and Taylorsville, yep. like going up to the shop. Because by this time, me and him are hanging out hey, a lot yeah, every we, day. We've kind of gotten real close. We're riding. Um, we're right. You, he's, you go in your shop. I'll go with you. You know, and so we're hanging out every day. I don't know if we're living together at that point. Because I was 16. I no, wasn't quite out of the house I don't yet. think we were. No, we weren't living together no. then. Um, I moved in. We moved into the double wide, I think, as soon as I graduated high school. Yeah, it was right after your graduation. Well, how did the how did this street stock, though, end? Is it with that big crash? No. Did, sold, didn't y'all wad it up? No. Kelly drove our yep. first street stock the next year. The 78 Monte Carlo. Yep. And then yeah. I sold my car that we built to Hank Parker Jr. Hank Parker Jr., yep. There was no big crash. Yours was 81? I'm getting something confused then. I think yours was 81, 81, yeah, yeah, Malibu. Malibu. Yeah. You're saying your first, the the uh, Hardy's 08 car. Yep. Yes. Y'all never wrecked that? Oh, God. Yeah, we wrecked. But like like destroyed. No. Wreck. Okay. So Kelly ended up driving it for about 10 races yep. in the next year, and okay. then it sits. It's sit. It sits over at DEI right mm-hmm. now out behind, the sh- out behind the farm. As far as we know. As far as we know, it's still there i know why i'm thinking this just last week i was at your house and we were going through pictures and mm-hmm. you showed me a picture of that car and it was oh wrecked. it looked destroyed yeah, oh, yeah. it yeah. looked destroyed I, and i just assumed that it was, was that was still the race it though I got it was in racing condition yeah. <laughs> even yeah. then in that picture i mean it didn't have to be pretty like right. every week this these days you know I, no, I we weren't you. we weren't cheaters nor were we fabricators <laughs> nope <laughs> we could beat some stuff out yeah. though <laughs> i remember we built re- so the 305 motor that was in the 78 Monte Carlo, I remember uh, rebuilding that motor in the shop yep. at Dad's Deerhead shop, and then we took it to the first race, yep. and the motor started mm-hmm. missing and messing up. You drove it to the pits, mm-hmm. up onto the trailer. Mm-hmm. We took the car home, pulled the motor yeah. out, and the cam was broke. Cam was in three pieces. Yep. And everybody thought that that was amazing. That it was still running and Carrie drove, drove it up, up on the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's I still tell that story today. I'm like, yeah, we rebuilt that motor because people think we probably got us a cheap, right. you know, yeah. f- you know, two thousand dollar motor. Right. Somebody built us something cool, but we rebuilt that old junk, three hundred five. Probably had the smallest motor in the field. Yep, and blew it up in the first race. Okay, so that reminds me because you have said in the past, Dale, that you knew nothing when it came to cars or anything automotive. That that's where you sort of learned. Did you bring any? Carry, did you bring yeah. any automotive knowledge to well, this? Well, I, 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 knew, I knew how to like work on the engines and stuff. So you, you uh, did? Transmissions, yeah. Okay. Because um, I had a couple street rides. I had a, My first car was a 65 Impala with a 396 Hurst four-speed transmission in it. All right. Um, so, you know, I, I had to rewire that one year because the wiring harness burned up in it. So I rewired that, put all new wiring in it. And then I had the 72 Chevelle and a 70 Chevelle I always also worked on. Do you still wish you had street that race Chevelle? Deal. I wish I had that Impala. Oh, do you? Yeah, I wish I had that 65 Impala. Yeah. That was something my uncle, my mom's brother, bought brand new off the showroom floor and kept it in the family until I got it. And um, after I got the wiring harness all done back, I had this guy come by and offer trade it even, the 72 Chevelle even for the Impala. So I called my uncle and said, hey, man, so I got an opportunity to have a, a Chevelle that is ready to drive on the street. I said, this Impala needs a little work. I said, you want it back? He said, nope, do whatever you want with it. So I traded the guy even. And I don't think my uncle talked to me. I think it was like six months before he talked to me Yeah. after that. <laughs> yeah. And I understand now why. Yeah. Back then, I didn't care. I was wanting something to drive, and, you know, yeah. run, chase girls, and race up and down the streets. <laughs> mm-hmm. So See, it was an opportunity that I take and go with it. We moved in together to Double Wide. 
we raced street stocks a little bit. You went and ran your dash car for yep. a year. I started running a late model with Hargett, and then we moved in together. We moved in when together. When the, when the uh, sometime right in the end of that. Well, I think it was 92 when I ran the Goodies dash car. Yeah. And then 93, we started we, uh, late models. And we was living together then. Yep. Mm. So we had a double wide trailer. Uh, I played the drums late at night. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Around 1994, <laughs> I, Papyrus came out with their first online racing game. All right, Mike? The, the iRacing team that you know now, they they this built is... their first game in around 94. They came out with it. You could race online, but you had to call Massachusetts. All right? With a, with a modem. So I started doing that. Me and Kerry split the bills in half. We didn't ask questions. Right. When it came in, it was 80 split. bucks. I got 40. He's got 40. If it's $69, whatever, right? We split it. So this, uh, the, for, <laughs> I started racing on the internet, and I'm calling Massachusetts, and yep. I know what I'm, I know I'm calling long distance. This and is I'm long distance there, call. Long distance. Long, long distance call to Massachusetts that would last from probably six o'clock at night to, to two in the morning. Yeah. Hours. Sometimes, hours. sometimes, Carrie. I was started working at a dealership. Carrie would get up in the morning to go to work, and I'd still be racing. Yeah. If he picked the phone up, if he just picked the it phone up, him. it cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> the first month phone bill came. And oh, it was, God. It, our phone bill was like 20 bucks or something yeah. silly. And our first bill was $420 Good. or something. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Carrie yeah. come in there and oh, threw that hot. damn thing down. And we'll pay half. I mean, <laughs> I mean that was our agreement. So, you oh, know, you stuck to that. You still were going to stick it for I half. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my I god. Mean, <laughs> that's, you know, we're just learning about bills and stuff. We didn't know about that stuff back yeah. then. We just learning. But I knew whenever it jumped that high, I was like, I mean, I didn't have nothing to do with this. How am I responsible? How You're work, not. How did we work that out? I don't remember. Uh, it, we ended up getting it worked out. Yeah. I remember. Maybe I don't remember. And I think it. I think I. I think another. A couple more four hundred dollar yep. bills came. A couple more bills come in. I was like, "Yeah, this is done." And I think I didn't pay one time. Yeah. And uh, I, I had met this gal from Virginia, and had her coming down that weekend. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but she gets there. We go to the house and walk up. Key go won't key go in won't turn. <laughs> the heck? Could not open the door. Wouldn't unlock it. Somebody had changed the <laughs> lock or the doorknob. <laughs> you don't remember that? Uh-uh. And I ended up pulling the chain to my truck and pulling the back door off. <laughs> you don't remember that? No. I can't. Oh, no. Uh-uh. And it wouldn't shut back Was after that. I still that. there? Yeah, you were still there. Was I you in changed, the house? I think you changed the lock. Was I in the house? <laughs> no, you wasn't in the house because I went through it. Your truck was there. You had oh. that little S10 truck, and it was sitting in the driveway. And I went through that house. His bedroom door was locked for a minute, maybe by the time I kicked it in, and he wasn't in his room. He done gone. I guess he's out riding with a buddy or something because like, I'm sure he knew if he changed that lock, I was going to be mad when I got home. And it was more embarrassing that I had this girl down for the first time that yeah. I can't get on my damn house. house. <laughs> oh, my God. So you chained Dad, I remember Dad coming over there, and we had that thing propped it. I can't remember how we had it the, shut. The back door, the yeah. back door. And Dad come over there and raising like, cane about this door not being you know shut and how it got broke. So we were a little to each other, but, like, I mean, the next day it was oh, we not were, a big yeah, deal. Yeah, we are no big deal. I know, but what, what, why did you change the lock? I don't know. Probably because I didn't pay the bill. Probably, probably didn't help me pay I mean, half of the phone bill. But it's his bill. But that, 
I, 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 I'm just I, I guessing know, that's why. There could be a million, I'm, I'm, million no, things. I remember it was, it was a bill involved, and I'm pretty sure it was a, the, the power bill or the phone bill. Yeah. It was something that I didn't pay. And he said, yeah, you ain't going to pay it. You ain't getting in. I got. I Man, showed him. You were yeah. some roommate. I got in. You were some roommate, dude. <laughs> I'm telling he you. He ain't but, a damn angel. I mean, well, what, did, what he, did I do? Yeah. I got up and went to work. Right. He had two kids. <laughs> what did I do? I don't know. You probably did something. You got nothing. I, I mean, <laughs> hell, the, I brought the girl in the thing, wash our clothes and fold our clothes for us. You don't remember that? <laughs> See, that's what I did for you. I mean, uh, how, how devil could that be? That's angel, man. Yeah. That's angel. I was good. I had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We always had food in the cabinets. We did. So, where, where were you I don't making know money? that anything I did. I worked at the dealership. Like against you or anything. You didn't. You didn't do anything. I'm trying to think if I did. Oh, y'all both worked at the dealership? At the same time? Yeah. Well, Eventually. I did. He supposed to. Well, he got, didn't he get fired? I'd get there. Well, no, no. He, Go ahead. Well, he would always come in about noon. Horse. <laughs> it was. I would be 15 minutes lunch. late. No. 15, 20 minutes late. Man, by there the time were, you get off that computer, you were not driving up there to be in. One or two days, maybe I came in that late, but not like, I wasn't doing that every day. Dude, they would have fired the hell out of me. Well, they tried. And they did. I remember that Keep day he, he come into work and old Bill Kitchings was the gentleman, the service manager and Junior comes walking in and Bill says, Dale, come here, I need to talk to you. He come in there and talk to him and I don't remember what y'all's discussion was, but I remember saying, hey, Bill, come over here, let me show you something. He grabs him, arm around his shoulder and walks out. He says, see that sign right there? <laughs> he says, yep, that's about two letters from getting your ass fired. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, I think that's yeah. when he was firing you. He was firing It yeah. was. Yeah, that's a good story actually, because you you told him two letters, and then you went and then you drove all the way back, right? Now you tell the story. So we had who was our who was our line mechanic? What was his name? Oh, uh, uh, Tony oh, Reed. Yes, Tony Reed. He was the uh, yeah the front end lineman and he all suspension her? guys. Yeah, they were married. Married. This guy that we hired had had been an employee at, at the Chevrolet dealer. He had been an employee there before. And went away, yep. and he was coming back to be the service manager. Carrie was a writer, and uh, my desk was right next to Carrie. My bay was Your right bay. next to Carrie's, where I worked and changed oil. I was a quick loop guy. So this new guy, Jimmy Kitchens, new uh, service manager, is coming in. He's going to turn this place around, right? It had been a functioning shop, doing, doing just fine. Could have been better, but... He's going to come in, and he's got all these bright ideas, right? So he's going to have us stay after uh, to to have a meeting at 5 o'clock. Right, at right. 5 o'clock, everybody's going in the break room, going to sit down, and he's going to talk to us and tell us about some things. Well, I'm standing back there with Tony, and he's going, it's bullshit. We ought not have to stay here if we can't stay clocked in. He don't want us. He, want, he wants us to clock out and go to that meeting. Yeah. That ain't right. That ain't right. And he's just prodding me, right? Pushing. Pushing me. And so, of course, I go up there, and I go, hey, it ain't right. Y'all making a stay. And I'm just repeating everything that, to, that he's told me. And he said, well, you know, do whatever you want to do. I said, well, I got to go over to Kannapolis. That girl used to cut our hair. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go over to Kannapolis. I got a haircut. That's a long way drive. I'm going over. I ain't going to miss it. He said, you do whatever you think you need to do. So I left and went and got my haircut. Well, Tony and everybody goes to the and meeting. We all go to the meeting. Oh, wow. Even though they come. Yeah. I mean, Tony even comes to me. One yeah. has pushed him yeah. to leave. Yeah, yeah He yeah. comes to the meeting. I come back the next day, and that guy, <laughs> that service manager's like, you needed to go home and think about whether yeah. you really like this job on it. So I went to the body shop down the hill. Yep. 
uh, the one in the back. And I said, I called dad and I said, Hey, I'm getting sent home. I don't, you're going to turn me around and send me back. You know, he yeah. would. Oh yeah. He'd hey, see dude. you and go, what the hell are you doing here? Go back up Get there. Back well, that's 45 minute drive. Yep. We ain't got, you know, I'm making 150 bucks a week maybe. And, uh, maybe not even that. I but, don't even think it was that. No. So, uh, anyways, I called dad and I'm like, look, he's sending me home. He goes, no, just go tell him you're staying. Tell him you're working or you ain't. And so I went up there and I said, hey, I'm working or ain't. I didn't tell him I called dad because that would have screwed things up or weird, made things weird. And I said, I'm working or I'm not. And he goes, well, get somebody to help you load up your toolbox. And so I loaded my toolbox up and I left. left. Well, I came back to get my check, yep. my last check. That's what it was. That was the day that I told him day. about the letters. Yeah, that was the day you told him about the letters. I just remember you walking him out with your arm around his shoulder saying, two letters, buddy. Yeah, he's Gone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he was gone. You remember that guy when they hired that guy? Do you remember me taking his? He had they had a full page ad of him coming and becoming the service manager, and I cut his head out of the ad, that. and I put his head on the body of all these uh, poses out of like a like a Rolling Stone magazine. Like I put his yep. head on top of all kinds of people's bodies, like in weird. You know, it's funny. Just, I don't remember that one. Yeah. So like I. I'd take his head and put it on like an ad for like a jeans ad or something and then po- and then copy it where it was all black and white and it looked almost real. And then I posted them and hung them all over the service department. I don't know how I remember that. That's funny. That's why he wanted to fire me because I was effing with him so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked. I I'm guy. shocked that it didn't work out between Do you, remember, you two. I wonder why. <laughs> Do you remember when I filled up your ar- the arms of your jacket? You were a mechanic. Hell yeah. You're, he was a mechanic was, before he was a writer. Yeah, I was a mechanic. I just changed oil and uh, you know just small stuff, belts and so the glass, alternators and stuff like that. The GM know? glass cleaner would foam giant yep. foam up when you sprayed it, and I filled up the arms of his jacket full of that stuff. We went to put his jacket on to go to lunch. Oh, <laughs> all oh. that stuff comes out the ends. <laughs> we used to mess with each other all the time. Well, I think we kind of like proving this point that you used to mess with me all the time. <laughs> I don't remember messing with you, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't. We didn't get in fight over it. We just laughed about it. I didn't know how else to show. I I was mad about it, but I was laugh about it. I didn't know how else to show you I loved you, man. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, if y'all did get in a fight, it would be probably validated. Never, y'all never ever got never never put a hand on each other. Never did. That day, if he'd have been home, though, if he'd have been home that day, I don't know what I'd have done. Yeah, I was mad. Like I was embarrassed and mad. So that was kind of like double whammy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think um, the cool thing is though, that girl's still with me today. Yeah, my wife. Wait, wait, Renee. That was Renee that you took over to the double wide. Yep. (laughs) Yep. When the door locked, when when not open, it was Renee. Did you know that? I don't remember. He conveniently remember, doesn't remember the things like that, yeah. but he remembers the. Uh, I remember her daughter would come over there. Yeah, Blade. And yeah, yeah her. She was three years old. And she, Carrie says, um, she, they're all in the living room and talking. And Carrie told me this later the day. And she's like, they're like, um, she was asking, like, who's that boy in that room? Who's mm-hmm. that boy in that room? And they're like, that's. That's Dale. That's my brother. And he goes, she goes, his mouth not work. His mouth not work. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't talk. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's funny. I'll never oh, forget. Oh, God. That's it's right. what you remember. Yeah. Can I ask you this? You, y'all mentioned that you were going to run a goodies dash car. 
Like, how did this? He like, ran that for a year. Well, yep. how did these ra- like year. these racing opportunities? You start running the late model. You start running well, Goody's dash car. How did these opportunities start? The stuff that Dad had worked with and lined up for us. Um, Richard Mash was well known in the Goody's dash series, and his you know guy from Taylorsville um, had a lot of success in the, in in the league and in the industry and. So he lined me up doing that. I don't know why he chose me going from daggone Concord Motor Speedway street stocks to running Goody's Dash at Daytona. That's a huge jump. Yeah. Big difference. Um, cars, more power and you know, more aerodynamic and all. And so I, I remember, like Dale said, we were up there and we looked at the cars and kind of looked things over and worked on a few things. And I would always go up there every evening after work and work on the race cars and then come back home and sleep, get and go back to work the next day. I was still working at the dealership. And I remember we went to Daytona. It was the black number three Goodwrench Cavalier. It was a Chevrolet Cavalier that I raced in the Goodies Dash. And that was when they'd done the two-day qualifying deals. And so the first day... We went out to qualify. We'd been practicing all week, and then things got 13-gallon fuel tanks, you know. So we've been practicing, all, I'd say, all week, probably three or four days, you know, just qualifying runs. And um, we go through inspection and everything to go to qualify, and I'm like, Richard, so we need to get some fuel. So we had any fuel. So, no, we're close on weight. So, you know, we just try to go out as light as we can. Said, all right, you know what you're doing. So we go out there to qualify. I go in out and you know off pit road and take off around get the green flag come around get the white flag vroom, going in turn one run out of gas oh it's pretty on, embarrassing on, on very qual- embarrassing on a, on a qualifying lap on a qualifying lap <laughs> so you had to come in and you come down pit road now i mean i was worried about making it back to pit road because you know i'm going in turn one when i run out of gas <laughs> So we come all the way back to pit road, and you have to get out of your car, kneel in front of your car to be pretty and take a picture. And, of course, it's hard to be pretty when you're pissed off. <laughs> so I do all that. Well, anyway, we go back second day, qualifying. I qualified fast the second day, which would have been on the pole the first day. Oh. If we hadn't, I guess. Yeah. I remember right. being there with Carrie the whole week. And so <laughs> you, and you, happened- you actually spotted for me during the race in the beginning really? of the race. Why'd I quit? Well, I come up on this one car and I asked for clear and you never did answer. And then the next thing I know, dad's talking to me on the radio. Oh, he must have grabbed it off my I head. I must have. So he spotted for me after that. <laughs> I remember when we were. I, I, ended up, I ended up spinning out because I didn't know if I was clear. And I was coming up on this car pretty fast and I didn't want to hit it. So I ended up spinning out. And of course, you know, it put me back. I think we ended up finishing seventh for that race. Yeah. So it's a good start. It's yep. fun, man. It was fun. We went, I went down there with Carrie. I remember pushing that car around in the garage and, and just being a helper. And, uh, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm carrying the black and silver color yeah. Goodrich car, number it's three. Pretty, I yeah, mean, right? it's like dream come How true. cool was yeah. this? It was. Yeah. It was badass. It was. <laughs> you run out of gas on the car. No, run out of gas. Wow. Yep. And I remember that guy, Tony Reed, you talking about. He made me a little trophy. Is that who made that? And it has a block of wood, painted black, and put a gas gauge on it. Well, he made a gas gauge out of the bottom of a soda can with a gauge on it, and it was on empty. And it says, what is a dumbass award or something <laughs> like that? And that's what he gave me. That's from, why you can go back to work. Yeah. Go back to work and get that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. O'Reilly Auto Parts, man, they are in the business of keeping your car on the road. They offer friendly and helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. You know the jingle? Oh, yeah. We're going to do the jingle at the end of this. Nice. I all can't right? wait for it. Yeah. So listen. 
Listen to the end. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock either in store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your car. Need your windshield wipers replaced? A brake light fixed or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, You'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, they're friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto. Do it yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com. That's O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly's Auto Parts. Ow! <laughs> you better put that in there. So you worked at the dealership for how long? Oh Lord. Well, till ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. till nineteen ninety nine. Actually, in ninety eight, I started talking to a guy named Doug Taylor with the Channel Lock car number forty, and Kevin yep. LePage was driving. And so I started going over and hanging out. He, I, he came to the you know right to the dealership and got service done. Also, he invited me to the race shop. So I started going over to the race shop and hanging out there in Denver. And, you know, just kind of tinkering with the cars and Kevin LePage is in there and we talk a little bit here and there. And then one day Kevin was out there and Doug come out there talking and, you know, Doug Taylor, he, I don't know how long he'd been in the sport, but he owned the Bush car and everything. So he says, Doug, he said, you need to give this kid a ride, give him a chance. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, I think you need a chance. I think we could do something. So we go and Hickory Motor Speedway and practice. And Kevin goes out and, you know, he's practicing. And then when he gets done practicing, he's going to let me take the car a couple laps. So he gets done practicing. I jump in and kind of take the car a couple laps. And I'm not far off from where he's running, speed-wise, you know, in times. So in 99, it was 98 when we was working, you know, doing that stuff. And in 99 is when I ran my first race in the Bush Series. It was at Hickory Motor Speedway. And we qualified 13th in the Nevison Chalock number 40 car. And we were up to fifth, and the axle broke in that race. So everybody was all pumped, you know, doing pretty good. Kevin was actually moving on from that team to another, so he was kind of grooming me to be in that seat. So in 2000, I started racing full-time. I raced a few more races after that hick race, but in 2000, I started racing full-time in that car, and things didn't go well. Doug actually sold the team out to um, – a guy, he was in the Tennessee Walking Horses. Um, I think he was up in Florida or somewhere. I can't remember his name. But he was kind of a business guy. wasn't really a racer. So he come in there and, you know, things, he changed a lot of things up and didn't go well. And crew members he got rid of and hired new. Just didn't know a lot about racing, really. So we ended up not running too good. And things kind of just, just dispersed from there. I, you know, quit driving for him and everything. And, I remember going to dad and talking to him about my experience and how things happened and, you know, how crappy it was that things happened like that. And I looked at him and said, man, I said, how about me getting an opportunity to drive for you? Go-kart, lawnmower, whatever. I mean, I just want to drive something just fun. And so he said, let me think about it. And we talked about it and started working things out. And that's when we put together the ARCA team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we started running, you know, some races. We didn't run the full season. I think it's 10 or 10 races in ARCA. Um, I won eight of the ten 
races at Talladega and Daytona is the two I didn't win. Mm. Um, we went Pocono, Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, Michigan. I remember going to Pocono the first time, and you had downshift. I'm like, holy crap, what's yeah. this going to be? Yeah. So we ended up having a good time. And I don't know, I, you wasn't at that test. And we had a good time, and Tony Jr., Tony Sr. was there with us and everything. And we were pretty fast. So we went for the race, and we lapped everybody but second place, and I could see him in front of me mm. by the end of the race. I got one of the bodies off of one of your cars yep. in the junkyard. When you get out, say – what was your favorite victory lane celebration from that time? It's going to be Pocono. And why? When I got out and Dad standing there waiting mm. on me. Yeah. And I'm, I, there's many pictures of me standing on the door of that car reaching down to Dad and him just looking up with the biggest grin that just made my world. Mm. You know, the happiness I seen in his face and how proud he was. It was really cool. You moved on from that and had, yep. you know, had you raced a lot of different teams over well, the years. Well, from there, we had put the schedule together with Dillon Hart Incorporated to run full-time bush, some trucks, looking at practicing stuff in cup, just, you know, to get the feel of it, not race any. And, you know, of course, things happened in 01. That's what we was going into in 01, oh. that, that racing with Dillon Hart Incorporated. And still had some market races in there, too. And then things happened in 01. And so the evening of that day that things happened, Ty Norris calls me and says hey so i just need to call and let you know that your racing schedule is no longer going to happen wait that like, night hey. yeah i'd ran i'd ran arca race there in daytona that that weekend um on friday we raced on friday and i come home no we raced on saturday and then i come home i drove all the way back no it's friday because i drove all the way back and saturday i kind of rested up and sunday you know i was out mowing the yard and everything and my wife comes running down Hey, have you talked to Kelly? I'm like, no, I'm mowing the yard, so you need to call her. And I call Kelly, and she's bawling and tells me what all happened. So, anyway, the story went, I got the call from Ty that things wasn't going to happen. That night? That night. What the hell? That's a hell of a night to call and I mean, that. I that, mean, that someone's thinking of nixing that program. You know, he got orders to call. It wasn't, he didn't do it on his yeah. own. So, anyway, Jeez. the next, that Monday, you know, we go into the sh- race shop there you know things are way they are and me and ty sit there and talk and he says i'm working on some stuff i've already you know made some calls and we're working on putting some stuff together and that's when the mondo Armando fitz and terry bradshaw team come about with the number 12 car ah. in the bush series so he got me set up and i ran that and that went for a couple of years and i just kind of bounced back and forth with rcr and just some other teams just here and there just never fit you know, RCR was pretty good, but do you remember yeah. racing together at Talladega? Yes, in the Cup race. That's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. In the big Bass Pro car. Yeah, we got to draft a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, it, was, it was me bumping you and <laughs> knocking the back bump <laughs> loose, and yeah. you going to the front, and me end up like fifth, I think I was. Well, and then next thing I know, I'm spinning around after somebody hits me. It was fun for a moment. Fun, though. <laughs> yep. fun we had a good car. I mean, it was fast, and you know, it was up front there. And running, I mean, I ran in fifth for a while, and then uh, I think it was Jeff Gordon, Michael Walter, Michael got into Jeff and turned yeah. him, and he'd come down and hit me. So, you, en- you ended up over at uh, DEI working for a while. Yep. What was you doing there? After I retired from racing, you know, Teresa had called, talked to me about coming over there and just working, being whatever, you know, kind of the messenger in between and feeling the – employees out what might need and just trans, you know delivering the 
news or message to Richie Gilmore. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. yeah. Richie Gilmore kind of run. He was you know, GM. The GM. So I, you know, would relay messages to him about what employees would like to see to improve the place and all and stuff like that. And I think that was the time. I, I felt like that was time. It was an easy route to get me out of racing, um, which is good. I mean, I, I was ready to step out anyway because, you know, I missed my boys growing up and I had two daughters coming up and I didn't want to miss all that. So, yeah, I'd cut back races to like six races a year and I won, you know, I run two with uh, Childers and then a couple bush races here and there with some like Rick Ware racing or somebody. And um, so anyway, I went to work full time at DEI and then things kind of started dwindling down from there, you know, selling this team or merging with this team and doing this and everything kind of just going away from Highway 3. Yeah. And, you know, after that, it wasn't no job there for me. So, and at that time, I had another opportunity that came in my life with uh, Schumacher Homes yeah. with me and my wife. So, it was easy time to get out of racing and get into designing homes of all things. Um, so, so, what is that, Schumacher Homes? Schumacher Homes is the nation's largest custom home builders. Um, they're in 14 states and 34 markets. Uh, they're based in uh, Akron, Canton, Ohio. And Paul Schumacher is the founder of Schumacher Homes, and it's a very, very good business. Uh, they're more family-oriented. Um, they're about customers. Um, whenever we went in to talk to them about doing their thing, they were actually looking for someone in the outdoor lifestyle that, you know, to bring in the outdoor lifestyle living to their homes. And they were looking at a very prominent uh, guy, Michael Waddell, who was yeah. in the outdoor industry, and I had a associate that Schumacher's knew that mentioned that they ought to talk to me and my wife Renee. And so we met with them, and Joe Hedrick, uh, he was over at DEI doing yeah. all the stuff with Dad and everything. And so anyway, he got let go, so we kind of took him over to help do our stuff. And we all three flew up there and met with the Schumachers. They had all their books open and counting and everything for us to look at, didn't hide nothing. Give us several customers to call if we wanted to call. And, I mean, they even give us one guy that wasn't even happy with their build process and couldn't find out he was a contractor himself, so he was going to nitpick everything anyway. Yeah. Um, so it was just a good fit, and we've been with them going on 10 years now. And yeah. y'all still do these Earnhardt Collections? It's Earnhardt Collection Homes. Yeah, and they're yeah. just designs, and, and, and how many do you have um, in the Earnhardt Collection? We were up to 23 and down to 20 now. Wow. There's two of them we kind of phased out just kind of didn't fit good gotcha. one of them we got a lawsuit against from i don't remember if it's uh southern living magazine or something it, they said it looked like their home but it didn't it just had a fireplace on the front porch like one of theirs did oh, okay. and the rest of it didn't even look the same so but we just took it off just to keep from having issues sure. and um so yeah we've been doing that for like i said going on 10 years now and it's been a great partnership and good family to you know be around can we talk about the battle to um, be able to use that we can all right i mean it's public knowledge I yeah we can't i don't so, know if you so during that time at the time of me where's that at at the time of me going away from the yeah. heart corporate is the time we started talking to the schumacher homes and when we got talking to them we talked about you know naming Earnhardt collection and we've done that because we wanted to open it up to more than just homes like maybe furniture or little knickknacks or something mm -hmm. down the road so we do that, and we go to trade market, and we get a phone call 
or we get a letter in the mail from the lawyers, and it's Teresa's lawyers, saying if we go continue using this name, there'd be a lawsuit. So my wife, being the strong-willed person she is, she says, fine, you want a lawsuit? Let's go. Mm. So we continued on and done our business with Schumacher Homes, and you know we called them and told them what all was happening and give them a heads up just so they'll know. And so long story short, eight years later, in this lawsuit, we won the lawsuit and she appealed it. So it had to go to Washington or wherever it went. And they questioned why they, the board that decided we win, they questioned why they come up with that. And they basically told them, you know, I was my, it was my name. So anyway, she ended up, she started out with the confusion of Dale Earnhardt and Earnhardt collection Mm -hmm. being confused. Well, some of her key people done depositions even stated that it wasn't, a confusion so then she went back to you can't trademark a surname their name and so that's where it went and we ended up being that neither one of us won but we continue on to do what we want to do and we can still do anything earn hard outdoors yeah i got it and i got it trademarked why is that not a win for you it it, like it's a win. a win yeah i mean it's a win for i mean, feel me dell jr kelly taylor any yeah. of us so and you know the key thing is she can't trademark it either Teresa can't now because she's shown that it can't be trademarked. She can't trademark the Earnhardt, Earnhardt name. name. So is the... Because hmm. it's a surname. You can't trademark, can't trademark a surname. So uh, the, is all the legal back and forth over? Yep, the legal back and forth over. Yeah, um, you move on. Eight years later, but finally over. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I we know have, if, we continued on, and now we're doing stuff with Earnhardt Outdoors and, you know, trying to build that brand now. Yeah. So I went the other day to, what's the name of it? Oh, the uh, old, old armor, old, 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 old armor beer company. Yeah, old armor beer company. beer company downtown Canapolis, right near, right next to the ballpark where the Cannonballers play. The Cannonballers, and that's where I grew up. That's that where you grew my up. That's your hometown. I cruised that area every weekend, and you know, rode bicycles up there sometimes. So you are now in the beer business. Well, I don't know if I'm in the beer business, but your name's on I mean, beer, buddy. I, you're you're in the beer business. You're working with these guys. Yeah, we we have created a beer. Um, it all started out the the dad of one of the owners has been a friend of mine for years, and he called me up and said, "Hey, my boys got this uh, brewery they work with, and they're about giving back to charities. I want to know if I had a charity to give back to." I said, "Well, I don't, but I do work with a group. It's a from four years old, to eighteen year old rodeo mm-hmm. association." And, you know, then we got the high school association also that, you know, they do scholarship funds. So I said, well, maybe we take this and do a scholarship fund for the high school. So we met, talked about that, and it ended up growing into creating our own beer. And so now we have. There it is. Oh, he's got it cold. Oh, man. Cold ones, man. Yeah, let's have one. Hey, Shane. I even got a spare. I haven't drank it out of the can yet. It's different than on tap, just like all of them. So it's sort of like a bud, in between a Bud Light and a Pilsner. I like that. Beer. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That is good. I thought it was kind of refreshing and something you could hang out by the campfire. A cold drink, beer, man. It not or, it. <laughs> Why have we not been doing man, this Man, that'd all be long? great on a fishing or hunting trip, too. Uh, yeah. It's but cool. Anyway, so that's what we've created. Our Heart Outdoors with um, Venture with an Attitude. It's Can a I- Canapa sale. And you can only get this at uh, Old Armor? Old Armor Brewery in Kannapolis, downtown Kannapolis. Beautiful place. Yes, awesome. I, I, I was a little And bit... actually, hey, actually, Thursday, for the folks that are going to hear this 
before Thursday, we have at five o'clock, we were going to do a public release announcement and I'm going to be there. I'm going to have some media there, people. And this coming Thursday, this coming Thursday. So that'd be the 27th. Yep. At five o'clock, five o'clock in downtown Canapolis. Downtown Canapolis. Man. So anybody come out and join us, hang out. Yeah, they'll be there. Even you and Amy come on. You and bring your significance. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm like I'm looking on so- social media the other day and find out all you family are out there at Old Armor. Yeah, my significance. Like, <laughs> uh, so what was this event that y'all did the other day at Old Armor? I mean, because I'm seeing. Well, Dale, I was I at the ball game go, the night this before. Goes away. So that was a friends and family event, and so yeah, my friends and family. I think I qualify in the first one, don't I? Well, we go way back. I will say that. <laughs> we I, we go back well I, before Dale Jr. I know. I, do. I know. I remember one time you needed fuel money <laughs> on flight home. <laughs> so, anyway. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, that was a limited seating event. So, I got all the people that, well, not that you're not important, but <laughs> it's okay. I felt you don't have to that needed to be there. You don't. You don't feel like. But the reason I did that because look, <laughs> I know this coming Thursday you can be there. All right, I mean, so Thursday everybody is welcome. That's good, and we can have that place packed out and fill up some streets and stuff. I don't care. That's good, man. That's a great place to drink a beer. It's, it's a cool little place, and like I said, them guys. It's a veteran-owned um, company, and. Because whenever I first started, I talk about maybe you know, investing in being part of it, and you know, I'm not a veteran, so I can't. So Kyle is the co-founder and general manager, and then Stefan, which has got the biggest beard yeah. and really cool guy, he's the co-founder and the master brewery. Pretty awesome. Pumped about that, man. Yeah, um, I'm excited and you know looking forward to Thursday and having a good time. Yeah, everybody needs everybody to get out there. Come on out. Come on out and celebrate. Well, buddy. But, so. Been a it's good been conversation, fun. yeah. It's been a good one. We got here now. We We're missed just gonna start a lot. We, we, <laughs> I mean, I'm done talking, but <laughs> we missed so just... much stuff. So one time, there, Carrie, there is some stuff we could go back and talk one about. One time, Carrie, we were we were cruising downtown Con- Concord yep. with our pickups, and Carrie, there was a little. We were parked in McDonald's at the McDonald's, and in, I parked on one side of the parking lot, and he parked on the other side, and in between us is a, a walkway, s- cement walkway, probably four or five inches, four or five inches. And you had your S10. I had S10, you had one. I had... Uh, you backed I, into my truck. I, well, I wasn't in the S10, was I? I was in the yes. truck. You were in a red S10. Was I in the red S10? He back, He so, puts his car in reverse. Well, you, I can't remember what triggered that. You did and something. And knocked the grill out of my truck. And so I backed... I put it in reverse and back because I was straight driving. He was automatic. We were horsing around. <laughs> and I backed over that median walkway and rammed him. Yeah, see, he's doing some bad put, stuff to me. And then I put it in first gear. and That is one thing I did. <laughs> I, I put it in first gear and took off. Well, as I'm doing that, I look at everybody in the McDonald's and their face is just like, you know, like, what I mean, happened? My, my grill's in like 15 pieces. <laughs> <laughs> he gets out. As I'm driving off, I see him getting out to walk around. I'm gone. That is, yeah, that is definitely goes on the scorecard. We had to one. go to the junkyard and get a yep. grill. Got another grill. We got one. Boy, that junkyard was an important piece of y'all's yeah. history. I mean, oh, man, real. it's right down the road. It's so easy. Well, I mean, seriously, I mean three miles down the road? Me and Carrie would burn out the barrens and we would bend A-frames and stuff and we needed springs. Oh. Like we finally figured out, okay, we need a bigger right front spring. Yep. Me and Carrie would drive our truck into the depths of that junkyard in the middle of the summer and crawl me. underneath these 1980 Cadillacs and, and Chevrolets in the middle of the dirt no clue what no shoulders were crawling around. Didn't out there. bother right. us then, though. And right. We didn't care. Right. We didn't it had care. to be crawling with it. Yes. Yeah. 
it was I think about it today and I'm like I'm I, would I mean looking it. back it was like the time of our life we were having a blast it was fun well we were in there every week trying to get apart yep because we'd been broke something and I think something. we actually just if we didn't need something we act like we did and just to go there yeah and crawl around stuff yeah check all the cars out so this is funny you like this so we're riding I might have told this last week but we were riding to Darlington to take the Nova. Yep. And I had Uncle Robert Jr. in the car, and he's telling all these great stories, right? And every story he tells about Dad is, oh, your dad was this awesome thing. He, we did this together, and it was amazing, and he was awesome, and he was great, and he was tough, and he was this, and he was that, right? And uh, never done anything wrong. And when Uncle Jimmy tells the stories about Dad, he says that Dad would buy – Dad would go to the junkyard – for a three dollar part, and look around at all the other stuff that he was going to come back and get later in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Yep, that's that the, that's the side I heard of, that story. Yeah. Uh, one time, you know, we, we have a gathering every year up in Pennsylvania with LW. Um, I don't. I, you may have been there one time, maybe not, but it's me and Robert and Jimmy and Seth and you know we got set the table and Robert's telling these stories and Jimmy was telling that story. I remember him talking about that. Here's some good times. I'm t- I'm just trying to imagine Dad breaking yep. into the junkyard in the middle of the night. Hey, was he sort of like? I always, you're gonna get upset with me saying this. I always like, I always appreciate the fact that you're sort of cheap, right? Like yeah. you're sort of cheap. You you know you don't ever carry any money around with you. Was your dad that way? Was he sort of like thrifty and and, and pretty tight, tight, tight pretty with tight. his cash? Pretty yeah. tight. He was. Yep. I mean, if he's crawling around a junkyard, I remember one I time went McDonald's. I had to buy with Dad. You had to buy. I bought. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, not McDonald's. Waterburger. He never carried water cash. Burger. Nope. He never carried never cash. Never had cash. And I remember, see, we went on an elk hunt one time. Me and you. Me and you. I killed. Got his first elk. Own, only elk hunt. Only elk. He didn't have no money on him for a tip or anything I either. I didn't either. Oh, I oh, didn't no. know he was going to tip. I mean, no, he doesn't. Dude, I, he you doesn't. invited me on the elk I hunt. Know. You should have told me this. I thought I did, but I ended up tipping him for He's you anyway. Like, yeah, Carrie's like, you got a tip money? I'm like, what? Tip yeah, money? He, he doesn't yep. carry any money. Hell and that guy was so pissed off because you had left, and then you gave him a pair of sunglasses. Oh, <laughs> I don't you remember that. <laughs> and all I got is a pair of sunglasses out of this hunt. Really cheap, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, man, relax. Chill out. Hey. So when I got done, I tipped my guy and your yeah. guy. I got to be honest, Carrie. I, like, I don't know where – like. Taking Dale Jr. on an elk hunt, he just didn't see it. Dude, uh, like, it took he, me. He's, he's, he's going to be, how, how he's many, not going to enjoy it. How many years I try? I mean, I try to get him to go on several elk hunts. And, and oh, he, I thought you meant how many years did you try before you got your first elk? Oh, how many years I tried I got before my, I got my I got first Shut up. The, I got mine in the first, first two hours. Let me rub it in. Yeah. It wasn't the first two hours. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. The first morning. <laughs> it was first morning. I'll give you that. It was like nine in the morning. It was early. How did that happen? I'm good. <laughs> it was the first hunt, put it that way. And it oh. was with a bow. That was really cool. I know. So, what? Yeah, with the bow. Oh, yeah. We, so so I've been trying to get him several years wow. to do this elk hunt. That's hard. And he's like, man, I can't. Truett has talked about how you got to run up these hills and huff and puff and out of there. And finally, I'm like, man, I've got this nice place in Colorado we're going to. He says, you need to come. All right, I'll do it. I said, huh? So I called my connection and said, hey, so we're going to do this. Dale wants to do it. He said, well, I got to tell you, you know, thing runs on generator and it cuts off at 9 o'clock at night. I said, oh. He said, there ain't no internet service, no nothing, cell phone service, nothing up there. So I'm like, oh. So I called Dale back and said, hey, man, 
um, I don't know if you'd really want to do this hunt. And he said, why? I said, well, there's no internet, no cell phone, and power cuts off at 9 o'clock off the generator. What's wrong with that? Oh, <laughs> hell yes. <laughs> so we get there. Is the there first, a beer? The first night we get there, we're out there hanging by the campfire and everything. Well, he goes in the house, and it's just getting dark, and the, bu- the bulls start bugling. So I run in and say, hey, Dale, Dale, if we get he's in the room. So I go in the room, and he's in bed. <laughs> it's like 8 o'clock, 8.30. I said, man, bulls are bugling. Come on, listen. He said, man, I'm, I'm getting up early. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I had never known him to go to bed yeah. that early. And he was. He was Lack pumped about it. Lack of oxygen up there. <laughs> that, yeah, I so, bet. So we get out the first morning. We go and we get on this pack and we got two bulls in it and a bunch of cows. And we're on this road bed, you know, getting up to the meadow where they're at. And one of the cows busted us. <laughs> Gone. Yeah. Dale Jr.'s like, man, that was cool. What do we do now? So we can find more. So we go up on this big hill and looking down just glassing you know looking for them and we see these two down in the bottom in this little opening small clearing just two bulls no cows and i'm like i told the guys man that's gonna be some easy ones there's you want to get one of them deal he's like heck yeah so he gets up like he's going to take us we get in the truck we're going to drive to them <laughs> yeah so we drove down and got out of the truck and before we, you know don't get right up on them but you get out of the truck and go up above them up on the hill they're going up and he gets up in there, him and the cameraman. I didn't go with them. But him and the cameraman, they go up in there and get set up, and the guide, and that, he, that guide calls, and that bull comes up, the biggest one, and, I mean, he's 25 yards from you when you shot. Mm-hmm. And then after you shot, he run right by you, like up oh the hill right God. by him. He, went, he was out in front of me in this little clearing, and when I shot him, he ran right past me, probably about 10 yards that way, right straight up this hill and stopped. Mm-hmm. Laid down, laid down, and we we walked up there. Quarter we quartered him right there, yep, on the hill. Well, yeah, and, and he carried him out. out. Carried him out. So like at ten o'clock in the morning, I'm walking out with like uh, like 150 pounds or 100 pounds of elk, elk corn on my back. Yeah, it was cool. It, it was, was like just neat. When I got ass. down there, just just the expression on his face, and uh, I mean that that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was and fun. Just to hear him tell a, the story, you know, it was everything you said. It was, it was fun. Gonna be. But you ain't done it again. I ain't been asked. Yeah, I have. I don't think so. I did. That's if you don't get back. Oh, good. You got his one and done. One, one and done. I'd I'm go, a deer hunter. I'd go back. I'm a deer hunter. I like deer hunt. But it was cool. He got one with the bow, and I tried. He left the next day. Yep. And I was like, man, you going to jump on a plane and leave? He says, no. He said, we'll hang out by the fire and drink beer. All right. So we did. We drunk beer, and I hung out, talked, done our little stories on the interviews and t- for the cameras and stuff. Next morning, he gets up and leaves, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm chasing elk for the next three days and finally end up using my guide's rifle to try to get one. I never did get one. Damn. Tough hunt. So. Tough, hunt for <laughs> Tough hunt for you. I didn't know it, I didn't know it went. But I, was, I, I mean, I was chasing. I didn't know it went so disappointing. <laughs> I was, but I done had two, so I was, I was looking to get bigger than what I got on the wall. You know, yeah. if it was my first one, I was going to shoot whatever was there. I had plenty to shoot that's at. That's what I tell them every time. So, <laughs> stop. I didn't just, get, I, wait. I didn't get right. no deer this year. It's, it was a big one. It's not as big as you I wanted. <laughs> whatever. You had it control. It, it was a shooter came by, but I let it go. <laughs> you had it <of> control. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, he don't understand hunting that well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carrie. All right, well, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. This has been fun, and uh, we gotta get you back. We in got here. a lot more stories we can yes, talk about. Yes, we do. Some good yeah, stories. I mean, we can get into some depth, 
like emotional stories too. Yeah, you know, we should. We should have an emotional podcast. Yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Tell my whole life of growing up. Yeah. You did a good job. You did a good job. I was I about fell apart there earlier. It was pretty emotional. Well, I mean, yeah. it was cool. The yeah. way, way it all happened, just remembering you in the front yard playing football with your friends that day I drove up the first time I ever saw you. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Well, it's been an awesome being part of your life. It has. It's been yeah. fun, been good being together and living together and yep. just getting to know each other just like nothing's ever happened now. Yep. I suppose so. So, All right, buddy. All right. Well, have fun. Thursday, what's yep. it called again? What's the it's, store? It's Old Armor Beer Company. Old Armor Beer Company. Yep. Annapolis, uh, North Carolina. West right. Avenue, Canapolis, North 5 Carolina. 5 p.m. Go there see Carrie. Cheers, man. Go see Carrie. Have a beer. Cheers. Cheers. Carrie Earnhardt on the Dell Junior Download. Oh. It's finally time for, you guessed it, the best part of the show. Ask Junior, brought to you by Xfinity. Let's hear the questions that you guys have sent. Xfinity Racing on Twitter. All right, everybody. We're live here at the uh, Dirty Mo Media Studios. Uh, Thanks for uh, supporting Dirty Mo Media on YouTube and across all our social media uh, handles. And and, uh, tell your friends all about it. We got uh, Ask Junior, uh, presented by Xfinity. Let's go ahead and get to your questions. All right. Our first question coming from Dave Downey. Uh, Dale, you're a paint scheme guy. Have you ever had any that wouldn't pass NASCAR approval? That's funny you asked that question. Um, So when I wanted to do, I think it was 2014, we had those golds. uh, They were spun numbers that had those little rings in them. I I ripped it off of kind of like dirt racing uh, numbers and font. But uh, NASCAR wouldn't allow any reflective style decals. So what I did uh, was I went above and beyond, man. So I had my uh, paint guys at Hendrick mock up a square piece of steel about probably four foot by two foot, and we painted it, and then we decaled it with the number and, and everything we wanted on the car would be on this sheet. And I took it. And I remember going to Phoenix at the last race of the year or toward the end of 2013. And I went into uh, the garage area with these with this big thing, uh, carrying it, and I took it to the hauler. I went over to the NASCAR hauler, found Mike Helton. I said, Mike, I need five minutes. He said, all right. We walked back over to my hauler, and I pulled that thing out, and we stood in between my hauler and I think Jimmy Johnson's, and I showed it to him. And I said, hey, I need approval this is what I want to run. And I uh, said, here's, here's what I think you're going to have issue with, so take a look at it. And, uh, and we talked it out right there in between the hollers, and, and I got my approval to, to move forward. And, you know, I felt like a little bit unorthodox, but I, I knew if I went through emails and, and images and so forth that it was never going to get approved. I had to get shot down by somebody, so I made a piece, took it right to the man, and uh, that's how it, that's how that worked out. What car was that? 2014 Daytona 500 winner. Oh, the yeah, the National Guard one. Yes. Oh, that's right. You did have those gold. Yep. All right. Our next question coming from Sean Marcus. Uh, quite often in your interviews, you refer to cars as front steer or rear steer. Yeah. Can you explain the difference? So, uh, 
rear steer is what most you know what all cars were up until the mid 80s and a rear steer basically is the steering box mounted behind the cross member so i'll take this die cast right here so the cross member kind of runs right uh between the front tires and just runs right across here and it bottoms out on the racetrack but uh, otherwise it kind of it's what the engine mounts to and and all those things but the cross member is just a very beefy kind of piece of steel that goes uh across the car um the steering box uh in the early 80s and way before then even was mounted behind that cross member and so the tie rods and all everything like the spindles were basically mounted backwards and the tie rods and the suspension all the steering linkage was behind that um cross member you know on the back side of the tires right uh, closer to the driver, and so the steering box is right there at the firewall. And uh, I'm redoing a 66 Nova wagon that has a steering box behind the cross member. It's a rear steer. Uh, around mid-'80s, they started, they moved the steering box to the front of that cross member where they are today. So now the steering box is, is, is in front of the tires, uh, in front of the cross member. That's a front steer. All the steering linkage is in front of the cross member, in front of the tires. The, the spindle arms point this way out toward the front of the car, and all the linkage mounts to that. And so that's just the difference of the two. It's really, really complicated and, and frustrating to set up the geometry and the toe and all of the things that you do to the suspension on the rear steer car. Um, it's just really old school and, and a lot of adjustments and moving parts. A front steer is much easier and a uh, lot less pieces, a lot less adjustment, and it's pretty – I'd I'd like to think it's it's straightforward as far as setting it up in terms of uh, getting the, this, the, the toe right and all these different things that are important uh, with the car. But that's, that's the difference. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of cars – most cars were rear steer, street cars too, um, all the way up until the – the early 80s they started transitioning to front steer stuff next question coming from clint chamberlain after listening to andy petrie and past crew chiefs on the show talk about their innovations of pushing the limits on the cars how far how far will teams and crew chiefs be able to push the limits now that the parts are coming from outside sources with the next gen car so um that's that's a great question i, I think that they'll continue to so here's a, here's a good example. So NASCAR, when the COT came around, if you guys remember, if you were following our career, we went to Darlington and, and Tony Jr. got popped uh, for some, uh, some wing mounts that we had taken. There, those, were, those were mounts you're not supposed to mess with. NASCAR gave them to you, and you mount the wing on the car. Well, Tony Jr. took his wing mounts, and messed with them at the shop. I don't remember exactly everything he did with them, but he, but he, but he made, made them in such a way that we got more wing angle. And we didn't get through tech with them. I mean, as soon as we showed up and unloaded, they <laughs> found them. And he got like a four-week suspension or something crazy, six weeks or whatever. Uh, you remember him sitting up on top of the camper at North <laughs> Wilsboro watching outside the track because you're not allowed to be inside after that. So They made a rule about that too. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow... I mean, if you're not trying to figure out how to to cheat, you're go you're not going anywhere. I don't. I and with this new car, with new parts, new pieces, 
absolutely you've got to find an advantage. You've got to find an advantage secretly and keep it as secret and keep it to yourself as long as you can before everybody catches on and before word gets out or somebody sees the part. Um, and before NASCAR catches you, you got to be willing to take that gamble uh, that NASCAR is probably going to come down super hard on the first guy that gets caught messing with some of their stuff. Because NASCAR takes offense, man. They've gave you these parts. They've ma- they've, they're trying to make this car the next great thing, and they're, they're working real hard to have all these guys, uh, all these vendors making these pieces, and it's just this big production, right? And you're going to go screw it up and cheat it up. They're going to be real upset about that. So get ready for them to come down hard on the first guy they catch. But if you're not trying to figure out how to take advantage and, and, and find a gray area in the rule book or blatantly break the rule, um, you're going to run in the middle of the pack or the back. Uh, so, you know, I don't know that, uh, I would want to drive that car. <laughs> I, wanna, I want my crew chiefs to be aggressive and giving me every advantage they can. Next question from Rob Dallin. Uh, who's your pick for the Indy 500? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, I'd love to see Marco Andretti have a great day. Um, I went and interviewed him the other week. He's only running Indy, uh, this year, and I, it, I know it's an important race to be like me going to run the Daytona 500 one more time. Uh, you, I'd want a good run, you know, and a good day, something to be heard proud of. So I'll be watching for that. I don't really know uh, who I think might win. Rossi, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. It'll be a fun one to watch. It always is. And one more question. This is from literally everyone on YouTube. Um, can you tell us about your shirt? <laughs> Everybody oh. loves it. Wants to know where you got it. I just eBay probably. It's an AJ Foyt Oldsmobile. Uh, I just went through the rack this morning and and saw it, and I was like, I right, that's the one. We got the Indy 500 coming up. AJ Foyt was was amazing there, and, and he was an awesome stock car driver as well. And I don't think I've worn this one, so <laughs> <laughs> smells good. So you never know. I mean, you get these shirts, and sometimes they have they, you know, the person's a smoker or something. But uh, this one's a, this was a good one. So I thought I'd throw it on. Yeah. AJ. All right. That's it for today, guys. All right, y'all. Thanks for uh, some great questions today. Really, really good. You guys always come through uh, making this show better. Um, Take some pride in that, man. You guys make this show better by being a part of it. And uh, we really appreciate it. All right. My favorite part of the show is over. Um, it always goes by too quickly. I mean, that's probably, Dale, because you're trying to keep up with the speed of Xfinity X5. I've told you that. Yes, well, speed is important, but it ain't everything, man. Xfinity X5 also is reliable. That is true. It's powerful, and it's secure. That's right. With Xfinity X5, you can do more of what you love with faster internet. You and your crew can stay connected with Wi-Fi coverage that delivers the speed your devices need. Remember, everyone, send your Ask Junior questions to at Xfinity Racing on Twitter. That's right. Thank you, Xfinity, the proud premier partner of NASCAR. Last call. All right, everybody, last call. This is, uh, it's been a great show. Kerry was awesome. Um, thanks for, uh, Thanks for him telling us some pretty incredible stories. And uh, there's a whole bunch more there. we got to get him back on here. Uh, me and him living together. God, dude. God. I mean, the drums. We didn't get into. The phone bill. A, we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't get into a tenth of it. The candy. <laughs> <laughs> this version with Carrie on the Dale Jr. Download is on NBCSN this Thursday at 530 Eastern. 
Uh, Door Brother Clear has a new episode out. TJ, Brett, and Freddie are back uh, after Coda. They talk about the challenges spotters faced at the new circuit and in the rain. They also discuss what the key is to upcoming silly season and Brett's battle with mosquitoes. Mm. Door Brother Clear, available on all major podcast platforms. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Bit of badassery was badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.